about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Chris Henderson, my man, how you doing? Doing good, doing good, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Likewise, man. Uh, before we go further, you can find Chris Henderson on Twitter at C underscore Hendo, S-E-E underscore H-E-N-D-O. He covers the NBA, covers the Dallas Mavericks for chendo.com and most at uh, Most Sports Talk. So, Chris, I know you're a big-time professional wrestling fan, and when I had the idea of doing this uh, retro throwback kind of show pertaining to wrestling, uh, there were a handful of guys that I knew I had to get on. Maybe not right away, but in due time to get them on. And I know me and you always go back and forth on, on wrestling and, you know, anniversaries and retrospect stuff like that. So um, I gave you a list of topics and you picked the NWO. And I know we're going to talk about that in a few. And my premise of doing this show is to get as much fans, uh, people who cover the sport, to come on and just talk about their love for wrestling, when they started to like wrestling, um, what was it like, what was it like when they were a kid, and what they do now, are they are they still a fan, um, and just kind of get their perspective because you know a lot of guys who were in the sport. Like the Jim Ross and Eric Bischoff and Pritchard, they, they do their own podcast and I, I love them all and they do a lot of retrospect stuff. But I think for me, what's important is to get the, the perspective of a fan who was maybe 10, 12, 13 years old in this era of the NWO and now they've grown up to still be a fan, still watch it, maybe cover it for like an ESPN or Bleacher Report or even or .com. So... You know, having you on, I thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I know we'll have some fun tonight. Man, man, I'm excited, man. This is this is one of the good. 1996 changed a lot for a lot of us, man. So I just think that it's dope that we'll be able to talk about this. I, man, like this is leg legacy, man. Like the NWO did a lot for not only just like wrestling culture, but like pop culture mm. and sports entertainment. All right, so let's let's break the ice real quick. So how many how many NWO shirts have you owned in your lifetime? I have about, I have two now. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, crazy story is, I remember I got my first NWO shirt, um, probably 1997. I was mm -hmm. in Indianapolis with my grandparents. Mm -hmm. uh, we were on a trip, and I it was like 28 bucks. And I remember, like, 
explaining that to my grandmother back then was like impossible, but yeah. she didn't know what it was. She didn't know what NWO was. I just told her it was, <laughs> I just basically told her it was, you know, obviously Hollywood Hogan, but right. mainly I said Hulk Hogan. So like she understood that part. And mm. man, I remember I had that shirt. I wore it to school. We used to wear uniforms, right? So we used to wear like white collar polos and uh-huh. like blue pants. I used to wear that shirt under like my white polo and you could see it and I remember like at lunchtime we would we would wrestle like we would be wrestlers so <laughs> man I, I I ran through so many NWO shirts I had a Wolfpack shirt and unfortunately mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to hit which we'll talk about downfall like the LWO and the, yeah. I had those shirts as well so man yeah. like yeah man I got quite a few I got two now so yeah like I'm a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a realist and I love, the, I love it man I'm a, I'm a part of the cult following and that's the reason why I created the Wrestling Basement because it is a podcast where you are a fan and I want to see when you started becoming a fan, you buying shirts, you buying memorabilia, you know, me out growing up, I had a whole bunch of action figures and posters and the foam, the foam belts, you know, just, just, just name it, whatever they had in that catalog back then, man, I, I, I had everything. Yeah, man, like when it comes to video games, that was my biggest thing and still my biggest thing is video games. So obviously mm. NWO comes around when WCW um, versus, versus NWO World Tour had dropped on N64. I remember getting that game and I was just infatuated with the idea that, you know, I could be Hollywood Hogan, mm. um, who I think is one of the greatest heels. I think to ever wrestle right. or as being a heel um, and unlocking Macho Man on WCW. Versus NWO World Tour was pretty pretty dope for me. So yeah, man, like the video games were big for me. Um, I remember like one of my favorite action figures as a kid was um I had my grand my, my uncle who's now deceased. He used to call me Junkyard Dog. And I never really understood that as a kid, <laughs> but then I figured out like I, I found out why and like if there's a picture of me and like there's a picture out somewhere. I'm pretty sure my mom has it. I had a Junkyard Dog T-shirt on. So rest in peace to Junkyard Dog, man. Um, yeah. Huge fan. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers going up was Papa Shango, who we all know is the Godfather. Yeah. Um, so big Papa Shango fan. Um, obviously, Bret Hart. Uh, met him later in my life. So yeah, man, I was buying all the action figures. Video games were my thing though, because like when Royal Rumble Arcade came out, uh, WrestleMania Arcade. I remember loving to play with Bam Bam Bigelow on the WrestleMania Arcade. You know? mm. I just love that game. I remember Ultimate Warrior being on there. Um, the IRS was on there, you know, just different things like that, man. So, yeah, video games really were, was the thing that kind of put me over. Like, that was probably my most collected thing. Until this day, I still got them. Like, I, every so often on social media, I'll post all my video games, and um, mm-hmm. a lot of my friends, they'll come over, we'll we'll get the controls hooked up to the 64, we'll do, like, some sort of battle royal or something like that, or tag team match. Right. So, yeah, man. So, the first question, um, I'll make it a trend that I want to do Every time I start the wrestling basement is to ask the guests, you know, what what made you become a wrestling fan? Was it a moment? Was it a match? Was it a a pay-per-view or like, you know, maybe you went to a live show? What what drew you to become a pro wrestling fan? I just think that like, man, when you look at those guys as a kid, like those guys were the biggest, strongest, baddest guys that you can think of, man. Like obviously in my generation, Hulk Hogan was like the greatest thing ever because he was this guy that, you know, you know, you eat your vitamins, drink your milk kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And you all, as a kid, you, you love that. You gravitate to that. And like, 
you can tell me anything wrong about Hulk Hogan, right? As a kid. Yeah. Like, I, thought that, I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy now how, you know, we all feel a certain way about Hogan, but man, as a kid, I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Then I realized there was other guys. So, like, Macho Man. I thought Macho Man was very flamboyant. The way he dressed, you know, obviously the way he talked, um, his grace. His grace in the ring was like something that I, I gravitated to. Um, being in Dallas, you know, you heard the stories about the Von Erics. And, um, you know, I think it was Kevin that I had a chance to meet, the one that's still alive. I actually had a chance to meet him as a kid. Um, we had a couple of events. So out here in Dallas, there's a very popular gym or like an arena called a Sportatorium. Right. I'm pretty sure you heard about it as a wrestling fan. Yes. As, as a kid, um, we would go there and like, I didn't know what was going on. I thought, and you know, obviously wrestling to me is real because they take physical beating, but I really thought people were really dying in the ring. Like, you know, like the, it wasn't choreographed or guys were, you know, doing certain things. I just like, man, these guys are getting beat up and I felt the way it was emotional for me. It was an emotional ride for me. Um, especially in my teenage years, because that's when the DX and the NWO thing became that. But like, yeah, man, like Hulk Hogan was the guy for me because like, like I said, he was the all-American hero. I just, you know, he couldn't do anything wrong. And then you see him in movies. So, like, when you see him in Rocky, yeah. you start seeing him in other things, you're like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I tell people all the time, Michael Jordan is probably the most popular athlete ever. But I always make a case that, man, at one point in time, Hulk Hogan was, like, super popular. You could make a case prior to anything that happened in the recent you know, this generation, decade. Hulk Hogan, man, in his zenith was probably the, the biggest person in sports entertainment. Like, I just think that what he did at WrestleMania, obviously, versus Andre the Giant, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature, man, like, it's just crazy. And, like, you gravitated to him as a fan because, he's like I said, he was a good guy. And the way they pushed him in the WWF was, was crazy. Like, I started liking other guys later, but, like, Hulk Hogan was definitely the reason why I was big in the wrestling. Like I said, you couldn't get me wrong there, like, red and yellow. Like, if it wasn't McDonald's, it was Hulk Hogan. So, like, <laughs> like red and yellow was a, was a prime thing for me as a kid. So, yeah, man, shout out to Hulk Hogan, man, for what he did for me as a kid because, like I said, he was a hero to me and, mm-hmm. like, he did a lot. So, yeah, man, that's how I really got into wrestling and, like, obviously learning personalities growing up, becoming that rebel teenager, that all changed, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, it was no longer being the good guy. So, right. yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's that's how I got that's how I got into it. So Chris, man, I got you here for one reason, one reason only, and that is the yeah. NWO, man. Um yeah. you know, I think before we set it off, to me the NWO I know we'll get to it more in depth later, but the NWO was a culture shift in wrestling, something that the business needed at that time. <laughs> and I think it was it happened at the right place, right time, with the right people. Um, because you know, again, if you were a WWF fan, compared to what you saw in the golden age of the Hogan's, the Warriors, the Machos, the Pipers, Andre DiBiase, in the mid '90s, it's like you know, occupational type wrestlers. It's it's little more toys to, to kids, and yeah, you had Sean and Brett and Razor Diesel Taker, but you know, aside from that, it wasn't too much going on. You had clowns, you had Dumpster Drozzy, you had Mantar, and there's so many weird people who were there, and you're like, wow, like, this is a total 360 from what I was watching when I was growing up, and then when you get that shot in the arm with the NWO, and it felt more real uh, compared to what he was watching um, with, you know, with whatever McMahon was putting on, it was like, you know what, I'm going to go from night from Raw to Nitro, and I'm going to keep doing that every Monday night. 
because I want to see what they're going to do next because their model was, you know what, you had to see it live. You know, Raw was sometimes live, sometimes taped. So Nitro had an edge in, in, in that time. So when, when the NWO came on, uh, came aboard, it was just a culture shift. A lot of kids in that time were, you know, they, they gravitated to the high schoolers, the college kids, the young the young adults, and it just... It just made McMahon change his ways, and I think I think you don't get the Attitude Era without the NWO. You don't get DX without the NWO. You don't get this new culture wave of creating superstars without the NWO. And I know they were you know a little older at the time, but still, it was something brand new, something fresh, and you create this Monday Night War that is still talked about twenty four years later. And I know they're trying to create some kind of war with AEW and an NXT now, but it's nowhere near compared to what um, Bischoff and McMahon had. So before we go further, man, I, I just think I got to shout out the NWO for making me even more of a wrestling fan. It made 8 million people every Monday night uh, have, a, have a choice to watch Raw or, or Nitro. And there was no social media back then, no YouTube, no no nothing. So you had to watch it live, and you had to pick you you had to pick a side. So without that, without the NWO, you don't get what we got even you know today. Nah, man, I, I definitely agree with you, man. Like a lot of guys' personalities to me, like for instance, we'll talk about the Crow Sting. Like I don't think there's a Crow Sting without the NWO, right? Because you needed you needed that ultimate hero kind of guy that was like the the outcast, but he was the loner, but he could take out a whole crew of guys. Um, you wouldn't get who, who, one guy who I, I will talk about. I probably in between this mm-hmm. is Scott Steiner, like Big Papa Pump. Yeah. Like even though we kind of look at him differently, and weird certain kind of ways. I thought it was cool how he he was very weird on the mic. He, he used to say some crazy things, but like yeah. guys like him. Even though Bob Bagwell and his mom, you know about that story, the the forklift and all that stuff, mm-hmm. man. But like he was a personality. Um, just the way they were able to execute it at that time was amazing because, like you said, as kids, you were kind of like. Drenched were like, hey, you gotta like the good guys, right? Like, you can like some of the heels, but even some of the heels were not like ultimate bad guys. I mean, you had like Iron Sheik, maybe a guy that maybe pushed the grain, but you didn't get to the point where you were spray painting championship belts, mm-hmm. throwing a little Ray Mysterio into a like a mobile home. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was a crazy time, man. Like, and you just like as a teenager coming into that. You obviously branch out. You become this rebel, like you. So, like obviously for me, it's like, man, I don't know. I don't like all the nice guys anymore. So I want to be a part of the NWO. So the NWO made you feel like you were part of your crew. Like you, you. And the thing I think for me that's probably most important was the, the promo cuts. I know you remember the black and white promo cuts. Yes. Like that was that was crazy. That first promo cut is like Nash, you know, he explains it in Scott Hall. It was sort of like, it was like ad-libbed. Like they really wasn't a big thing. And like, of course, getting Hulk Hogan at the time to become Hollywood Hogan was like a big deal because like you had to change his whole personality. He went from having the, the clean face with the the, the, the the handlebar mustache that was blonde to having the, the mm-hmm. black beard mixed into it. And that yeah. was crazy to me, dog. Like, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I thought that was just wow. So, yeah, man, like, I, I had to give a lot of credit to, we we as fans in general need to give more credit to Eric Bischoff for what he did, because he went against the grain. Like, 
in a sport that you know has this like rules I guess you could say or things of that nature um, he went against the grain man and it, to me like yeah man like the Influence is huge. Like in, in hip hop, NWA did things right. NWA sort of changed the the landscape of how we looked at gangster rap or how guys came along. They were the NWA of wrestling, if you think about it. So, like, yeah, man, Eric Bischoff, man, much love to Eric Bischoff, much love to WCW, because like I said, it was nothing like seven o'clock here, Texas time, cutting on Nitro and hearing Tony Schiavone and the great Gene Oakland. So, yeah, man, like I agree with you. So now, were you? Were you uh, more of a WCW guy like before the before NWO comes on the scene? Were you were you watching WCW? Were you more watching WWF, or were you kind of watching both? I was going in between the two. So like you know, during that time they would have the, the Saturday shows with the WWF. I think it was like Live or Livewire, mm-hmm. WWF Livewire. I was kind of going between the both. I didn't really understand the politics at the time, especially with the um, the last match, obviously the curtain call. I didn't know that guys could switch over like that. I was so naive at the time. I didn't know guys could do that. Um, but yeah, I was I was in between both because I had guys that I liked. Like I was at that point in time, Razor Ramon was like my guy. So like. Everything started changing. Um, I was a big fan of One Two Three Kid, which was six in WCW. Yeah. Obviously, um, you know he was one of my guys. So I was going back and forth. Um, I, I will be honest though, because WWF at the time just had more reign supreme to me. Because like WCW had some great wrestlers during that time, man. Like some great wrestlers. Now that I look back at it, but like I was still, you know, interested like Shawn Michaels. You know, Burr Hall was making a change between those two. Mm-hmm. Just things are going on. So like obviously at that time. Yeah, definitely for me, WWF was probably more watched. But then, like I said, when they really started making it official, guys started becoming in the WCW more. I started seeing the change of guys coming in the roster. Yeah, that's when I started watching WCW doing like, yeah, definitely when the NWO came. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought WWF was the worst thing ever. <laughs> you, 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 you couldn't get me to watch. I, and it's crazy I say this now, but like, I didn't care if they Stone Cold was coming into his own. I didn't care if Undertaker was still doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about the emergence of Kane. I didn't care about, you know, guys of that nature. Like, I, I remember buying video. Like I said, video games were my biggest thing. I was buying WCW video games at this point. So right. that's where it really was like a crazy thing. At. Like, I skipped out on Warzone the first time and got it back later in Attitude. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, man, like, for me, yeah, at that time before the NWO, I was going between both, but like I said, I didn't understand the politics. So when I started seeing guys move, that's when I was like, okay, now this is a big deal. And now I start seeing what's going on. I didn't know the business side of things. And like I said, yeah, the day that they stepped foot, <laughs> when Kevin Nash and uh, you know Scott Hall at that time, the name change comes through, that's when I went total WCW. So yeah, man, like at that time, like I said, WWF was fun for me because like I said, as a kid, I got WWF many ways. It was like, you know, TV's Monday, but then Saturdays were cool because you got stuff on Saturdays. Right. So, like you said, the first domino or first dominoes are going to be Razor and Diesel, uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Ash and Scott Hall. But before they get there, uh, what, were you, what were your feelings on Razor and Diesel with McMahon before they, 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 they went to WCW? I liked how they did... Razor Ramon, um, obviously, you know, Intercontinental Champion type guy. Um, 
Man, to me, one of my favorite non-wrestling things that he ever did was obviously the scene where he's at the restaurant and he spit on the dude at the restaurant. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Razor Ramon, like, I, now that I'm older, I didn't realize that was a, like a mock-up of like Tony Montana, right? Yeah. So I didn't really know that. Like, I was just a kid, you know, I'm naive to that. I just thought he was some like random, like, you know, guy that was just had this, this brash ego. So I thought they did well with him. Um, obviously, going back, I wish they would have given him more opportunity to get to the highest level that like Shawn Michaels is at yeah. and certain guys of that nature. So I thought they did what happened now with Diesel. It was interesting because with Diesel, it's like he had a long championship run, right? Yeah, like he had a long championship run. Um, I just think at the time, because like we were starting to trend, that was another thing for me that got me on WCW because smaller wrestlers were coming along. So like it wasn't so much about having the big sniffs or guys like that nature. Um, I thought Diesel was cool for what they did him for. Like when he wasn't talking as much, like he was just wrestling. Like you remember, he was a when he like what's his name sidekick Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, time. yeah. Like he really wasn't saying much. Like he was like you know he wrestled, he was good at it. Um, I started liking Kevin Nash more when he got in the NWO before he started taking over the books and everything and making his own matches, uh, <laughs> which, which we know that was a part of the reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like, but yeah, I thought they did pretty good with him. Um, they let him have a championship run. Um, obviously, at that point in wrestling, the big guys were still the thing. I mean, so like you had him. I mean, you had Undertaker still going on. You had some big guys that were like still making runs, but mm-hmm. I felt like from a personality side, Diesel was cool. He had the cool name, the cool look. I felt like they didn't really use his personality as much. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he got in WCW, it was weird to see him talk as much. So, yeah, man, like I said, they did good. He had a long run as a champion. Um, I think one of the longest runs we've probably ever seen. So, I thought it was cool. But if, to, for me, I think I felt like they did Razor better because Razor, he had the personality. Like, people going to have to, we, we got to give Scott Hall his roses. I know there's a lot of things with the drinking and and I'm glad he's over that. Shout out to DDP for right. that. Um, but yeah, man, I felt like Razor Ramon was at that time. Razor Ramon was definitely the better, more popular wrestler to me, right? Because I felt like he kind of related to like that rebel side. You either hate him or you love him, and like he was so mean or so out there that you had to like him or you you hated him. So like, yeah, shout out to Razor Ramon, man. So let's break it down. Um, all right, so the, the first domino was. You get you get the curtain call in the garden, and I know that's going to be a separate show later on. But you know, for yeah. those who don't know, um, that was the final day for Diesel and Razor with the contract, yeah. and they do the hugging thing with Sean and Hunter at the garden, yeah. and one guy has a video camera up top and tapes the whole yeah. thing, and it becomes this infamous video footage um, that was shocking at that time to see. Two, yeah. two good guys hugging two bad guys and if you're a fan a young at that time like hey what's going on why are they doing this they were just fighting and it kind of broke or not kind of I think it, it definitely broke kayfabe where it's now like you're, you're not blurring the lines of what's real and what's not real uh, to, yeah. to the audience so boom you have the curtain call then Scott Hall shows up on Nitro a week later and says you want a war and all this other stuff and it's like holy shit you know it's razor on on nitro what's going on a week a week or two later kevin nash diesel comes on nitro um confronting um bishop and uh, razor or scott hall would say i got a big surprise and then you know nash comes on board then it's like boom like me 
I'm like, yo, what's going on? Like, okay, again, I don't know the situation of the contracts. I don't know why they're going there. So as a fan, they made it seem like the WWF was sending Hall and Nash to Nitro for like this quote unquote war. Like, okay, all right. Now now we're gonna get those guys from over there against down south guys. All right, now now we got something going on. And like I said, many thought it was um uh Mc, like the McMahon set them down, which was not the case. So they were they were they were already on contract. And now you got these two guys who want to implement a war on their their roster, which is you know Flair, the Stings, the Machos, the mm-hmm. Lugers. You know they had a pretty good roster of people. Uh, even before Goldberg got even on the scene, like a, like a year later, and when you're seeing that, when you're seeing the hall now, now they use one they they use the real names, obviously because they can't use Razor, they can't use Diesel. Now it's like Kevin Nash. Oh, why Kevin mm-hmm. Nash? Why Scott Hall? Like okay, so now when you're seeing this, they got a couple weeks of programming under their belt. They haven't fought, but they're doing things that make it seem real where they come through the crowd. They're not going through the main entrance. They're doing what they want. They're wearing black. They got baseball bats. Security is trying to stop them from coming to the, to, to the arena. When you're seeing this compared to what you're seeing on Raw, how are you feeling that? All right, now I got Razor and Diesel here, but now it feels like more, more realism to the programming. You know, for me, it was crazy because, like, people don't realize this. If you go back and watch those videos, like, Bischoff was this clean-cut guy, didn't really have the NWO swagger. So I remember, I think if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on this. I remember an episode where, like, Scott Hall, like, powerbombed or, like, he did the Razor's Edge to Bischoff, if I'm not mistaken. And, like, they look like bullies. And as a kid, I was like, I didn't understand it because I was just like, okay, they showed up here. I didn't think there was some sort of takeover, like WWF was coming along. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, man, okay, maybe they just showed up randomly. And <laughs> it really, yeah. it really went like they had a beef with like somebody like, hey, they were just like calling out everybody. And I still remember to this day, like, Razor coming in there with the two picks because that was something that was crazy. He had the jean little outfit on. I remember he was talking crazy on the mic and it was like, whoa, what is this? And I remember like I had to turn down the TV. I remember sitting in the back room and like, my grandmother would let me watch whatever I want to for his wrestling, but like they started getting crazy. And like, like I said, Bischoff, they bullied him. So I didn't believe there was some sort of like, you know, obviously the, the big scheme that comes to be, the NWO, and he was a part of it. But like, man, like it was crazy seeing what, how they just entered, like you said, through the crowd. And they were just like rebels. It was like, hey, we here. Who's going to stop us? And obviously at this point, you, you didn't know about that third piece, which we'll talk about, but. Man, I didn't know what to expect. Like, I was like, okay, these dudes are just crazy. Like, they're animals. And part of me hated them. Like, I was like, okay, bro, like, what are you doing? Can somebody come out here and stop them? Who's going to do it, man? Can we get some wrestler? Can DDP or somebody come along and just, like, fight these dudes and, like, run them off or something? I didn't know that they were there to stay. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it was crazy, man, how they, how they just sort of interrupted everything, man. And they came in and... Like I said, one of my favorite pay-per-views, the Great American Bash. So that was pretty cool how like they came along in that. And uh, like I said, I, I don't know if it was Hall or Nash, but somebody threw Bischoff into like the the crowd base. They they power bombed him. So I'm it was assuming Nash. Maybe, it was Nash. It yeah. was Nash. Okay, so it was Nash. Okay, so yeah, just that moment alone, man. Like like you said, coming in the ring, being in the crowd. Like all of a sudden, the camera cuts to them in the crowd. And imagine being a kid. So just just put that in perspective. Imagine being the kid that was next to them. And like you see them there, and you're like, oh my God, it's them. They're in a crowd. You never get that today. 
You no. can't get that today. No. So like, so like, man, it was just so uncut, man. Like they they came through the scene. Like you know what it reminds me of? So you know how like on the NWA song, the NWA song, straight out of Compton. You know how like easing them kicked through that little thing, basically like the glass, whatever you want to call it. Like yeah. at the beginning, they kicked through it. That's kind of like what they did. They did their version of that. They just showed up and like it was like, <laughs> hey, we here. You ain't gonna stop us. So mm. yeah, man, I thought that was wild. I didn't understand the politics. So like I said, I didn't know about contracts. I just thought, man, you could wrestle where you want to wrestle, and they happened to just show up. But what happened after that, what you're going to get into was, that was a cliffhanger. As a kid, I had to make a, a conscious decision, and like I said, that changed everything. But yeah, man, I give them credit for how they pulled that off. It was so flawless, and how they executed bringing in other guys that were, we, were different personalities, like the Rick Roods in the world, which we'll get into. So mm-hmm. shout out to them. So yeah, you... Uh the Great American Bash is the cliffhanger. So they do that to Bischoff. And I think what's important and key is that when Scott Hall comes to Nitro in May of 96, and then uh, Nash in June, like two, two weeks later, they don't wrestle for like a month. And I could imagine if someone now comes to the company... And it's like this, 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 you know, this big ordeal, and he or she does not wrestle for a month. Cause then people nowadays are, are impatient; they want their wrestler to, to wrestle right now. But to get yeah. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash in WCW and not wrestle until Bash at the Beach in July, like they really week by week by week build it up. Like you know what? What's gonna happen next week? I gotta watch. And, and this before the whole really the war really happened. So now now you're developing that war. Now it's like all right, again as a fan, do I want to watch uh, watch Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, or do I want to see what's going on with Hall and Nash and see are they going to beat people up? Are they going to yeah. in the parking lot? What are they going to do? So before they get to bash the beach with the third man and and that lineup, they that's what they don't do today. They want everything right here next week. The build to yeah. the whole ordeal that that three man, who's the third man, that whole yeah. build was just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's the thing, like you said, there was, I remember like, you know how like they used to do on Nitro, like when the, when the show is going off, it's something that's going on and it'll just show the credits at the bottom and then yeah. like, there was no ending. Like there's no ending. Like you better be here on Thursday when Thunder's here or you better be back on Monday at 7, 7 p.m. my time to watch, to watch Nitro. So yeah, man, I, I felt like they did a great job with that, but like, yeah, 30 days or so not mm-hmm. wrestling is crazy, but obviously we know a guy that didn't wrestle for a year. Oh, yeah. Because they kept him, <laughs> they kept him so idle. So I, that's another story. So mm-hmm. just watching that, how they played that part was even crazier. But yeah, man, I just think that they, this was flawless execution, man. When you, when you talk about at that point, I really like, now I can say at that point, probably before we knew who the third guy was, I think that day, that sort of submitted my WCW fandom. Like I, I lost it because like I WWF can do anything for me at that point. Mm-hmm. Like once they realized who the third guy was, which we'll get to that. Yeah. I was like, okay. Now they re- now we're talking now. Now we're now we have something to look for. Like now now we got we got my guy involved, right? So yeah. yeah, now that was it for me. But yeah, man, I agree with you. Like everything now is such a we need to leak it out. We need to we need to get it done now. Versus like let's create this story. Let's let it play out. 
Um, I just think that has a lot to do with social media and like our generation is a progressive genera- generation. We're, we're more into like maybe not maybe not me and you, but a lot of us are more like you know I need to get to the point. So reading chapter seven and eight, let me get to chapter twelve so I know what really happened. So right, yeah, man, we're all about spoilers today. So yeah, man, all is execution, man. Once again, WCW did an amazing job of doing that. Like you said. We never saw these dudes wrestle for for a minute. Yeah. So we didn't know they were going to wrestle. I just thought they were there to talk. And that's what, you know, as a fan, pissed me off because I hated those two at that point. Yeah. Like, man, all they do is talk. When are we going to see them fight? Exactly. Somebody going to fight them? It's like they bullied everybody on the mic. They they showed the Nitro sets. You know, they're, they're, they took the mic from Tony Schiavone. They bullied him out of his own mic, his own play-by-play. And they're just, while matches are going on, it's crazy. Kevin Ash and Scott Hall are talking about other things. Yeah. You remember that? Like that was crazy. Yeah. Like, there had been a match going on. They literally panned the camera to where the guys are at up in the, in the commentary. <laughs> so like, yeah, man, like dope, bro. Like I, I agree with you, bro. Like crazy. So now they're teasing uh, Bash at the Beach uh-huh. in Florida, and it, it, it's a, a, a three man three man tag, Hall and Nash. Now again. There is no name to this group. There's no New World Order. There's no NWO. There's no music. Yeah. There's no vignettes going on. So it's just Hall and Nash. I'm not even sure if they were called the Outsiders just yet. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. I'm not too sure. Um, so it's Hall and Nash and a third man against Sting, Macho, and Luger, who they thought that was the top three people in the company at that time yeah. to go up against this hostile takeover, right? So... Yeah. Um, before we get to Hogan, the rumor was, I, I, I want to get your opinion on this uh, as a fam, and, and you know, going back in retrospect, plan A was Hogan to be the, to be the third man. Yeah. So plan A, Hogan, third man. If Hogan flaked out, plan B was Sting. So okay. Sting was, you know, the main guy, WCW. He was the, the yeah. cookie cutter, good guy, blonde hair, all that yeah stuff. So they had Sting waiting. All right, in case Hogan don't, if he, if he flops out, we got Sting. Yeah. Do you think, in your honest opinion, that the NWO would have been the same or just as good or would have meant a little more if Sting was the third man? Or did you feel that a guy from the WWF, along with Hall and Nash, had to be the NWO? I don't think it would have worked with Sting. And if you remember during that time, this one Sting did go away from the blonde hair. He had the short black cut. So he was sort of changing his look. The makeup wasn't as like colorful. Even though he had colors in it, his costume sort of changed a little bit. He started looking a little different. So they were kind of transitioning him into like a, a more darker Sting. Like, like I said, no blonde flat top. He had the black hair at that time, like a little shortcut. I don't think it would have worked because like the the way that you had Hogan change over, remember. As a kid, mm-hmm. we all knew him as this good guy. He was the guy that you, you know, you were supposed to say, man, this is who I want to be when I grow up. Not this, like, rogue outlaw biker-looking dude wearing bandanas all the time and, you know, saying crazy stuff on the mic. So I think that it worked out in his favor because the mystique of Steam, we never would have probably got that, that whole Crow thing. Even though Scott Hall, which we'll talk about, kind of put that towards him on that, but... I think that like it wouldn't work because at the same time Hogan progressed as like a guy on the mic to being a bad guy, and I don't know if Sting had to so like the because you remember the Wolfpack Sting right? Like he was on the mic more, he talked more, but it really wasn't as cool as the the black and white Sting because like 
It just he talked too much. Mm-hmm. Like we love the mystique that Sneak didn't talk. He was about action. He came in with that bat. You know what time it was. He didn't say much. But I don't think it would have worked the same because I just think that like at the end of the day, you needed somebody bigger than those two. And that was the ultimate wild card. Like, I honestly, Scott Hall, Ray Ramon, and Sting, even though I have Sting as one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, he's in my top three. So that tells you a lot. So I feel like, Hulk, obviously, Hulk Hogan going from Hollywood Hogan was a big deal. Yeah. And I think, yeah, if they would have went with Sting, I don't know how that works. Because then Hogan comes along, and it, it gets old after a while. Like, you want to see your guys become heel, right? Like, the thing I think WWF is, or WWE tried to do with John Cena was to make him a heel, and they couldn't do it, right? Like, you tried, and it didn't work. But, like, somehow WCW pulled it off. Like, they made just got an ultimate heel. So, yeah, I just think that, like, I don't know if it would have worked with Sting. I, I personally don't think it would have. Like, I just don't see Sting being Hollywood Hogan. You know what I mean? Because he had to play a role. Like, what would he be? Like, he's still Sting, and he's going to talk on the mic more? Nah, I can't imagine that. Like, you, that was a personal hate a lot of people had towards Hogan at that point mm-hmm. because he had changed over so much. And like you said, even though Sting was the good golden boy at WCW, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have worked. Like, you had to get somebody that was a rogue outlaw that was coming along from that, from their side, the WWF. So, yeah, flawless execution on that, but nah. Yeah. I can't imagine Sting. I don't know anybody else at the time that you could have got. Like, I don't think Ric Flair would have been good. I don't think Ric Flair would have worked. No. Maybe, but now nah. Rick was too no. much of a personality. So, now nah, Rick, I don't think he would have worked. Diamond Dallas Page wouldn't have worked. Different guys. Like, I don't know who you could have got. Like, I think that he, Hogan was the guy. Like, Hogan was the guy. Maybe, obviously, Macho Man, of course, was already in it. But, like, I don't think that would have been as cool as, like, Hogan, even though Macho Man is amazing to me. So, but, yeah, I don't think Sting would have worked. I, I just can't imagine that. Like, the whole mystique was that Sting didn't like the NWO, right? Yeah. So, and they had to go get a fake one. <laughs> <laughs> and you know yeah. what? I, I think the whole, when you do your research and you read, the you know, Bischoff's book and hear all the podcasts he, he's done, he, he said it multiple times. He, he You know, he wrote it down saying that Hogan was like, yo, you got Hall, you got Nash, who's your third guy? So Hogan was like, I, you know, one, I might need a character change because I'm getting stale too. So I've been doing this red and yellow, uh, 24-inch python, take your vitamin type stuff for a very, very long time. And I'm not sure if Bischoff Bischoff said, you know what, you're the third guy, or maybe he said, I don't know. And Hogan was like, yo, I'm the third guy. And I think it, it, it had to be Hogan because... Hogan going heel was a bigger oh shit factor than yeah. Sting or Ric Flair. Cause you seen Flair be a bad guy. You, Sting, yeah. you did not see him be a bad guy, but it's like, does he have the personality to be a bad guy? You can say, you know what? Yeah, I don't see Sting as, as a heel. Can I see no. Hogan? Like, wow. Like, okay, now, you, now you're really trying to flip this whole shit upside down. That no, no, matter what, no matter what McMahon did, at that time, it was like, no, Hulk Hogan is a bad guy on this program. I've yes. never seen it before in my life. And now I have to see what he's going to do every single week. And when you, when you get to Bash of the Beach, oh my and God. they're fighting, and, Hulk, and then Hogan comes down. And again, a, a, a different story was that when Bobby Heenan said, um, which side is he on? Yeah, because you think he's going to go say Macho Man, right? No, but not even that. There would some rumor was that 
maybe Heenan knew what the finish was and he kind of blew it for, for people at that time. Like if you, if you really go in, oh, in, in okay. depth with it, there was a rumor that Bobby Heenan knew it and he, that's why Hogan came down and said, which side is he on? And they were like, yo, what, like, what are you talking about? But I don't think Heenan knew. I think he just said that as a natural commentator, like, all right, Hogan's here, but let's keep it real. Is he on macho side and Sting? Was he on Hall of Nash? You, you, you just didn't know. But once he got in there and he let drop macho, the whole shit, oh the whole shit turned upside down. And then you get that. You get the whole being Gene interview and people throwing stuff in the ring. And it was like, wow. It's like you could not have written that or produced that any better than what they did. And it was like the best, to me, the best heel turn, the best promo after a fucking heel turn. And it's yeah. like you got the biggest name in the sport in WCW as a bad guy. And it's like, wow. What are they going to yeah. do next? You know, that was crazy. Yeah, for me, like, I agree with you, bro. Like, to me, that's the number one, like, introducing a guy. Like, even though, like, we, we apply how Nash and, and Hall came along to the WCW, the way they introduced Hogan and then he changed from Hulk to Hollywood, to me, that's number one in my book. Because then, like I say, probably on another one of your other podcasts is the, is the infamous um, show up of Chris Jericho on WWF. Mm. And that was amazing. To me, that's number two. Chris Jericho showing up on WWF was wild. Like, that was kind of like the flip side of things. But, like, yeah, bro, like, I had no clue. Like, I ain't going to lie to you, dog. Like, I, I I remember sitting there, and I was like, okay. When I always have, I see the trash everywhere. I was conflicted as a kid. Because you got to remember, once again, teenager Chris is coming along. This is 1996, 96. I'm 11, 12 years old at this time. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably like, oh, yeah, man, I got to make a decision here. I mean, I'm sitting up there with my, my Hulk Hogan post on the wall. No lie, Hulk Hogan post on the wall. I had a post of Hulk Hogan. Like, it was crazy. And I was sitting there thinking, like, do I hate this dude now? No, I actually don't hate this dude because I'm a teenager and I want to listen to the gangster rap. I'm trying to sneak and listen to all the crazy stuff and look at all the crazy stuff. So he's a rebel. I'm a rebel. That's how I felt. So, man, yeah, bro, like you said, the leg drop from hell, man. Like, that's that's (laughs) one of the crazy things. To me, the leg drop from hell, like, Mm. it's like he almost, because we knew of the history of Macho Man and, and Hulk Hogan, right? Facts. Where they were guys and then the whole Miss Elizabeth thing. You know, now looking back at it, it's so crazy how it was like it was like the end of like those two being cool, even though after the fact Macho Man jumped over there. But man, it was crazy. And you gotta remember, Sting was in that match. And yeah. Sting, and Sting, you know, that was when Sting was transitioning over. Cause like if you look at Sting's physique and the way he looked, like I said, he changed the hair color, got darker. So I didn't know what was going on with that because, you know, I remember Sting being like Hulk Hogan, like the blonde hair, you know, surfer guy that we all loved and hell of an energy guy. And he was changed over a little bit. So, yeah, man, I just think that, like, I don't know how they pulled it off. To this day, we'll never get that again because you got to remember, I think WCW tried to make Sting a bad guy, if you remember, later down the road. They didn't work. John Cena, they've been trying for years to make John Cena a bad guy. It can't work. Can't it, just, do it. it just doesn't work. Like, I don't know how you do it. Like, look, even Stone Cold, it, his intent wasn't to be a bad guy. It didn't work. Like, you love Stone Cold because of what? The Rebel Outtake, which I think, honestly, there's no Stone Cold Steve Austin if it wasn't for the NWO. Personally, to me. 
like the whole liking the bad guy kind of or the bad attitude or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, I just think that I agree with you, bro. Like I ain't gonna never forget that, man. That leg drop from hell was the craziest thing. I I think as a wrestling fan, definitely one of my five craziest moments. Like just like cliffhanger because I was ready like that Monday like to see what was gonna happen for real. Like, so okay, if you were sidebar because I love doing sidebars um, that Hogan turning heel at Bash at, the, at Bash at the Beach mm-hmm. as a moment in pro wrestling history Hogan turning heel at Bash at the Beach where do you rank that like where do you where do you put that is it one uh-huh. is it two is it three is it is it the is it from a non wrestling match standpoint is that the biggest moment we've had uh, not naming any tragedies, unfortunately, because tragedies do play a big part in like wrestling. Unfortunately, I would say that's got to be number dude because I, to me, it's number one of the modern of that '90s generation. Mm-hmm. That attitude generation is clearly number one because the, you got to think about it, bro. They really changed him. Like it wasn't like this night, bro. Like go look at how he looks on there. Like his face, it kind of looked like he just he started wearing the shades. He started doing all the different stuff. Like he wasn't wearing the bright colors. They changed him. And to me, as a cliffhanger, I definitely think that's to me, that's the number one cliffhanger of all time. Because like you really changed probably the biggest face in wrestling history to make him a bad guy. Like you gotta think about this. There's people today that know Hollywood Hogan more than Hulk Hogan. Think about that. There's kids that were younger than us at the time that know Hollywood Hogan. They don't know about the vitamins part, Hulk Hogan. And it was weird for them when he got back in WWF after all this, and he was wearing the red and yellow. You're like, what the hell is this? Like, I got a nephew that didn't understand that. He just only he only knew Hollywood Hogan. So he only knew him as being this bad guy. So yeah, man, like for them to have the balls to do that, like, bro, that's that's crazy. That would be like in basketball if we painted Michael Jordan to be the villain. You know what I mean? Like if Michael Jordan was just because like think about it, Michael Jordan could never do nothing wrong, right? He was like this great basketball player. He was the greatest personality ever. You wanted to be like Mike. Hell, you wanted to be like Hulk Hogan. You wanted to be this big, strong guy, you know, beat everybody, you know, body slamming Andre the Giant. Like, come on, man. And then all of a sudden you flip him into like this villain and it worked. That's the thing. It worked instantly. It went like, uh, yeah, we're going to see how this works in about a couple of weeks. Now, nah, bro, people instantly started throwing stuff at him. Imagine that, bro, being Hulk Hogan all your life, and all of a sudden, you're getting stuff thrown at you. I bet you Hulk ain't never had that much hate in one night ever in his life. So, yeah, man, I think that's, to me, the number one moment. Like, I can't think of another moment. Maybe the Montreal Screwjob, obviously, which that's a whole other story mm-hmm. with Bret Hart, obviously, but to me, the cliffhanger part, because we didn't know. Like, we found out more about the Montreal Screwjob as time went on. That was live in the moment. Like, yeah. Hulk Hogan changed. And yeah. as a kid, you had to make a decision. So yeah, man. For me, number one, like you say, there's two different Hulk. Hogan, there's two different Hogan's. There's Hulk Hogan and there's Hollywood. Like it's two different ones. And I think Hollywood Hogan to me lives on more because of the Rebel attitude. Because our generation, we embrace that. Like yeah, think about it, bro. We embrace that. We embrace the whole bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Like think about, yeah. like think about, it, bro. We don't want to see. We don't want to see Batman just arrest people, right, and tie them up and and leave them in the air. We want to see Batman like. Christian Bell, where he was kicking everybody's cell. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. For years, Batman was like this guy that he'll he'll tie you up, he'll hit you a few times. Nah, we want to see the Dark Knight, dog. That's yeah. what we want to see. Yeah, right. We want to see somebody. We want to see somebody beat somebody's tail. Somebody talk noise to him. So, yeah, man, I think it's number one. Listen, bro. man, like, I think at that time, 
a lot of fans who were maybe in high school, college, young adults, they gravitated to that. They wanted something to, that fits their, their age demographic. And it was cool to be the bad guy. It was cool to be yeah. Hollywood Hogan and had the black face paint and um, the shades and the bandana. And now now you start... Well, I, on, on that pay-per-view is when he coined the New World Order. So that, that's the first time you're hearing New World Order name. It's like, okay, now this is what you're going to go by. Then as time goes on, Everyone wearing everyone wears black. You got the vignettes coming up. You got following announcement paid for by the new board order stuff. And it's like, yo, what's going on? This is totally different. And to be fair, at the same time, uh, could the time frame kind of matches up? At the same time, a week or two prior to that, you had Stone Cold saying, "Austin three sixteen, I just whipped your ass at the King of the Ring." And yep. it's like, okay, so we got Stone Cold over there. That's nice. 316 shirts. And then two weeks later, you get the Bash at the Beach, and it's like, all right, damn. Like, I, I love Stone Cold, but this end of the thing, this is different. And it's like, no, it, don't, it, it didn't matter who was wrestling on Nitro. As long as the NWO popped up, I was good for the night. And like I was saying, everybody loved the bad guy. Even when Stone Cold was a bad guy in the beginning, when, it, when he became Stone Cold, not not the ringmaster, when he was Stone Cold, it was like, oh, he cursing, he flipping the bird, he drinking beer, he's all all up in Bret Hart's face, he's teasing Bret Hart. Like, you know, I, I I like this guy, and it was yeah. just it was just that mid nineties wave of how, you know, that's how society was whether on tv yeah. music mtv south park no matter no matter what it was that was just the norm uh things being like like a jerry springer type of show was like you just never know what's gonna happen and pop up that mm-hmm. was the whole dynamic of wrestling um in that era but it don't happen without hogan turning bad it don't happen without the nwo and as time goes on it's like yo it makes mcmahon sit down and kind of reevaluate everything he was doing. He got Stone Cold there, yeah, but how do we build off of that? Because I'm pretty sure him and, and his people were watching Nitro somewhere in the fucking arena. Yeah. And, 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 and real quick, a thing that, like you said, music changed, because you got to think about this, bro. You're a hip-hop head just like me. You're yeah. from the East Coast, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to give you perspective on that. So just imagine this. We're all trial Call Quest, De La Soul, public enemy kind of fans, right? We all love them. Rest in peace, fight dog, you know, so forth, so on. All of a sudden, Death Row is around. Yeah. Just think about that. All this is going on. So NWO is in their form. Death Row is coming to life. We got these beefs going on East Coast, West Coast. So it was like the road thing. And guess what? We gravitate to it. Like I tell people all the time, you know, people always talk about Tupac as the, the rebel kind of Death Row guy. But I remember Tupac being the backup dancer. And this on the ground, right? The good guy. I'm not saying Tupac was a bad guy, so I'm not saying that, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Like his personality changed as the time changed. Like, hey, you had to be a gangster rapper, right? Like you couldn't be out there like Vanilla Ice or like MC Hammer. No knock to them, but you couldn't be out there doing it. And you remember Pac. Pac was making fun of Tri Call Quest and Fuji's and all that stuff. Like yeah. he was out there joking on Fuji's. I thought Fuji's was dope. I still do. But, like, you know, it's, the times were different, bro. Like, we, everything was changing, bro. Like, we were getting into, like, that era of, like, 
Yeah, bro. We're the teenagers are growing up, and I like how WCW grew up with us because they didn't try to use the traditional like, yeah, I'm gonna get the guys in spandex and tights to run out there and make a few chants and raise their arm in the air and everybody go crazy. Yeah, nah, man, we gonna we gonna we gonna we gonna kick it with these kids, man. And yeah, we watching this South Park, we watch this MTV Real World, these BET, we watching all of this. We trying to get an idea of what they like, and they did it. And they executed it flawlessly. So yeah, man. I agree with you, bro. Times they they went perfectly on time. Like the mid nineties really changed. I think American even like just history of life because everything started becoming a big thing. Like video games, they got violent. Video games got violent. Mm-hmm. It wasn't no more about Mario, you know, jumping on a turtle or whatever, or getting coins or Sonic running through a thing. Now, nah, bro, we were really into Mortal Kombat. 00764 was coming around. You know what I'm saying? We want to shoot people now. Grand Theft Auto started coming around where you look from the top on. You know? So, yeah, bro, I'm going to rock with you on that one, bro. Like, I agree. It went with the time, bro. And like you said, we were teenagers at the time, so we were we were definitely trying to find a way to get our, our Rebel Edge on. And like yeah. you said, the merch was crazy. We start seeing about the outsiders more and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, man. Dope. Yeah. No time. The 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 music, the vignettes. Man, um and, and that's crazy, bro. Like how that how that played a part because like even at that time, intros weren't I won't say intros weren't a big deal, but to hear that ear, 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 ear to yes, hear that, yeah. you was like, oh, it's home, bro. End up going, <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, I'm a st- bro, I'm in the house standing up, you know what I'm saying? When that came on, you knew what time it was. Yeah. You heard the NWO. You heard the little screw voice. And you're like, okay, I know what time it is. Here come Hogan out there dancing and stuff. And I'm like, this is wild. So, yeah, bro, love it. I think when they, when they took the belt, and they spray painted NWO on it. I think just that little that little thing just took it to a different level. Like, oh shit! Now you're kind of disrespecting WCW and the champions and the lineage. Yeah. And it's like, who do you think you are? But at that time, you just took the you took the big gold belt. You spray painted NWO on it. You left, you left it there. And now every time you see Hogan on Monday night, you see the belt, you see NWO on it, and it was like, all right, that right there took that whole thing to a whole different level. I don't disagree with you, dog. See, you you bring my point. Like I said, disrespecting the belt, painting NWO on it, and spray paint, literally spray painting it, bro, in the middle of the match, like the end of the match, spray painting it. Even like beating guys with a belt, like Hogan's taking this little belt off that he had personally, the little leather belt, like doing stuff like that, using weapons more. Like they got into that ECW world at that point, right? Because mm, like yeah. we know about the ECW, which you know you'll talk about that on one of your pods, how yeah. that became a thing, and like they got there. WCW took a mixture of a lot of things and it worked because not only, like I said, was the NWO doing their thing. One of my favorite factions was the was the Flock, and you know Raven, they yeah. were outsiders, you know. Well, so you had that that kind of stuff going on, and mm-hmm. yet still they end up your reign supreme. So yeah, bro, like I just can't believe like now that I'm thinking about it, I just can't believe they were able to pull this off in a time where everything was so PG thirteen. Like we really were going through a rated R time of wrestling, and it got crazy, and nobody was saying, "Hey, we need to stop this." They let it go until like they almost ruined it. So yeah, right. Um, I think what was also key and important is that it's, it's not a they didn't need like a manager or whatever. Now at this time, they're getting the giant, they're getting DiBiase, they're getting 
Xbox Six. So now they're growing in numbers. Um, so yeah. now you're seeing this whole thing. Well, uh, a lot of former WCW guys are now, you know, crossing over to the bad team. But now you get Eric Bischoff involved, and for me, you see Eric Bischoff as just a commentator on TV. And it's like, you know, for, for the character, he was the man behind the whole thing. And you see him involved. At the time, and or even like looking back at it now, what were you thinking about? All right, who is this Eric Bischoff guy? Why is he now this manager or the voice for the NWO now? Did they really need him? And what was the overall impact you felt Bischoff had on the NWO as far as the character goes on, on TV? Well, my thing was this, like I told you, man, like I remember seeing Bischoff in a suit, like a brown suit or big baggy suit at the time doing commentating. And he was a nice, clean cut guy. Didn't say nothing crazy on the mic. He was appreciating wrestlers. And next thing you know, he's wearing leather coats. He's wearing biker stuff and he's making funny jokes. He's still commentating, mind you. And he's only talking about the NWO the whole time while Tony Schiavone and and my other guy, they're just sitting there trying to talk about the match. He's talking about what the NWO is going to do. So I thought his influence was heavy, and I liked how he was able to do that because he was that he was that little prick that you just hated. Like I remember, bro. Like when I got the video games, I just wanted to beat him up. Like he couldn't do nothing. <laughs> hey, man, they had him in like a kickboxing like like combination kind of dude. So like he didn't really have the grapple stuff. So yeah. I just made it way to beat him up. Like I hated Bischoff. Like I even though I was a big Hollywood Hogan guy, I hated Bischoff. Like he made it to where you hated a guy that. He wasn't a wrestler. So that was the weird part. Like, you know, shout out to Jimmy Hart, the managers of the worlds that we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. But like, he was the one guy that you just hated. Like, I never hated a manager or a guy as much as I hated him. And that sounds crazy. And I just hated Bischoff. But to Bischoff's credit, he understood. He had to jump along with it. It changed his personality. Because like, you go watch the younger Bischoff or the Bischoff before NWO, he had to sort of not so much like green look to himself, but it was green. Next thing you know, a week later, he's got his hair slicked back, soaking wet, and he's in biker gear. And it's like, oh, crap. And he's hated because he's setting up matches weird. You thought he he was the big mastermind mm-hmm. and everything for WCW guys. He's setting guys up to fail ultimately. But yeah, at that time, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I hated a manager more than I hated a wrestler. Like, there was no, it was so weird for me. I didn't hate wrestlers. I started hating the manager. Like, I didn't care about, you know, Hayden, Hogan, Hayden Nash, Hayden Hall. Yeah. Even at the time when, crazy crazy enough, you named a lot of wrestlers. But remember, Brutus Beefcake was a disciple, bro. Yes. Just imagine that. They made Brutus Beefcake the disciple. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Bro, like, you, he looked like Hulk Hogan. Like, he literally did. Mice, he had longer hair. He had mm-hmm. the same sort of beard kind of thing. And I'm like, bro, I didn't hate none of them guys. I just hated Bischoff because Bischoff did all the talking. They let, you know, in credit to Nash at that time in Hall, they talked, but ultimately Bischoff talked a lot. And I thought it was cool because you knew he couldn't fight. You were just hoping that somebody would come in and smack the dude. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean? And it never happened for a while and until, like, there was another crew that came along. So, yeah, yeah because, man, uh, I thought it was dope. Because Bischoff knew a way to antagonize you. He knew that, Amazing. all right, Everybody in the arena is not going to like me. Everybody on TV watching me is going to hate me. It's all right. So now I'm going to antagonize you. I'm going to get on, get under your skin. And he created a lot of enemies. Sometimes even in like, you know, real life behind, behind backstage, there was some tension because now people saw that the NWO was 
no, they saw Nitro and the company becoming all about the NWO. Like, what about me? And now you got like 10, 14 members of the NWO. And it's like, all right, what about Flair? What about Jericho? What about Malenko, Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero? It's like, what, what about me? What about us? And it just became a time where, you know, everybody wanted to become the NWO. And it was like, all right, who else did WCW got? Because now they flip, you know, flip flopping back and forth. And, you know, I asked you this. When this happened, I want you to tell me, all right, I love it, or I feel like, all right, maybe you're doing a little too much. So now when they created NWO Sold Out, their mm-hmm. own their own pay-per-view, like, all right, so no, this, it's, not, it's not Starcade, it's not Fall Brawl, it's not, it's NWO Sold Out. It means the whole entire show is featuring their guys against WCW. So at the time, where you're like, man, I love this. And then if you look back at it 23 years later, you're like, man, I'm not sure I've sold out with a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I loved it because I love it now at the time. Like, I feel like it was really cool that they actually, they took over. Like you said, it was a takeover. So the yeah. ideal of a takeover is we do our own, you know, our own stuff our own way. So, like, I remember the whole sold out thing, the gold and black with the black letters, the NWO was kind of everywhere. So yeah. I thought it was cool because it kind of forced WCW players to be like, it was a jealousy thing there. So I thought it was dope. Now, obviously, years later, when they started doing a little too more, that's where it got out of hand. But, like, at the time, <laughs> yeah. it's a takeover. So the ideal of a takeover is like, yeah, we don't care about WCW. We making this the NWO pay-per-view. And obviously some of the matches I hated because I think Buff Bagwell, who I hate, out of all wrestlers, I hate Buff Bagwell. That, that's one wrestler I do hate. Like, I've never had any interest of liking Buff Why? Bagwell. Why you hate him like, so much? Yeah, Buff. Like, I never understood Buff Bagwell. Like, I'm Buff, I'm tough, and all that stuff. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he had a crazy move on top rope, though. I, yeah. I give him that. The, I think it was Buff the Blockbuster. Bagwell. What was it called? The Blockbuster, was that it? I think it was. Some, something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like, but other than that, man, yeah, I thought it was dope at the time because, like I said, and like you've been saying, it's a takeover. So the idea of a takeover is this. Not only are we going to take your your favorite Star Cage, your Halloween Havocs, your, you know, Bash at the Beach, Great American, you know, all these big pay-per-view events that we have. I don't know. We creating our own, bro. And guess what? You got to watch it because you want to watch wrestling. So, man, yeah, I thought it was dope at the time. And I still think it's dope now because it was a takeover. The ideal of the takeover is not only are we going to take over as like a faction, we're going to beat you up, we're going to destroy you business-wise. Mm. And, it, and think about it. I think now it's sort of a business model in, in sports now, how guys are doing that now. Like, think about it. The players now are right. taking over as far as like how they how they sign contracts and deals. They, they, they wising up. So, like, it's sort of a blueprint, man. So, yeah, I think it's dope now, and I think it was dope then, just for that moment. Now later, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, now later is like, yeah. Like you, now we getting out of hand. Like, yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Nash to me this day, I still am very upset about a certain moment. But you know, we'll talk about that. Oh, let me guess, Star K ninety eight. Let me guess. Oh yes, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, all you gotta do is t- touch someone, and that's it. Oh, you, oh, the, the the finger poke of doom. You talking about? Yeah, yeah. Later, Ooh, later. Was, yeah. Oh, nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we get to that, and I know I mentioned just Star K with Goldberg. Um, so at this time, I, I, I want to ask you, you know, again, back then or retrospect, you know, what was making the NWO so mainstream? Because they were popular in the, in, in, the, in the wrestling world. But now, 
you're getting people like the Jay Leno's, the Carl Malone's, the Dennis Rodman's now the world. You're getting professional athletes outside of the sport mm-hmm. to cover you, to talk about you, to be involved. I think uh, mm-hmm. some football players got involved. So now yep. what is making the NW? Why is why is how how is the NWO becoming so mainstream that you're getting these people from the outside to come in and just want to be involved? Well, you got to remember, man, like, in our generation now, it's all about being the loner, right? Being the only guy now is the cool thing, right? Like, hey, I got my own podcast. I got my own thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes you look cooler now. But back then, being a part of a clique or a crew, that was dope, man. So think about this, man. You named a lot of great guys. Now, I actually had a chance to talk with a guy like Nate Newton. Nate Newton played for the Dallas Cowboys. At that time, the Cowboys were Super Bowl champions. He's one of the best offensive linemen in football. He was in part of the NWO. So that was even crazier. Yeah. So like a guy like him, like it was cool to be a part of a clique. Like you want, like think about it. As hip hop fans, you want to be death row a bad boy. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like you, you had to pick one. Like you were gonna be a part of this crew or this coast or that coast. So back then, being in groups were like a big deal because it was sort of like, man, I'm a part of this, 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 this run. Like I'm a part of this, this, this takeover. So yeah, man. And also the idea, like, look, you know what's crazy? It's like. NWO wrestling and NWA hip hop are like the exact same blueprint. They took the idea of the black and white color, the dark color being the more dominant color. Mm-hmm. Like, think about this. The Oakland Raiders gear was never like a big thing until NWA started wearing it. True. Think about that. True. Take that perspective. NWA made, like to me personally, maybe my eye could be completely wrong about that. And I know Raiders fans going to kick my tail about that, but think about it. People weren't wearing Raiders hats like that until the NWA came along. Like when you saw Easy and Cube and Dre wearing that merch, oh man, now I gotta go get me a Raider hat. You know what I mean? I could be the diehard Cowboy fan, but I had to have a Raider starter jacket. Same thing with NWO. The merch started coming in. Like we started seeing the black and white NWO shirt. So same sort of like syllables. It it stood for something. New World Order, obviously. Yeah. And uh, you know, you kinda you kinda just say, okay, this black and white looks dope. And everybody's wearing it. Think about this, bro. Just take this in perspective. Macho Man went from wearing all these random colors to wearing black and white and wearing madness on his head. Yeah. Just think about that. Macho Man, the Macho Man that we love, rest in peace to Randy Savage, Randy Paul, I'm sorry. Rest in peace to him. But Macho Man went from wearing lime green, pink, purple, American colors to wearing black and white. Saying madness on the side, wearing NWO <laughs> shirts cut off. Man, you know, just think about that, bro. Like how crazy that is. Say they were Hogan. He went from wearing all these Hulkamania colors to like black and white. Mm-hmm. We wear nothing but black, and black is sort of like the road color. Think about the Chicago Bulls, dog, during that time. We're talking about nineties, that late, mid, early nineties. That I'm sorry, mid to late nineties. Chicago Bulls start wearing black uniforms. Yeah, with just, uh, the stripe. Yep. Yeah, they started wearing black uniforms. We almost look. I hate to, I you know, I ain't gonna lie to you. One of my major first big jersey purchases was a black Jordan jersey. I ain't had a red jersey. I had the black one. Right. I had a white one, a white and red one, but I never got the red one. But when that black one came out, I had to have that black one. So like they understood cosmetically 
how, how, how to make it look appealing to the, our generation. We love to associate ourselves with groups at that time. Like, look, Wu-Tang was a thing at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, big factions, big cliques. You had to be a part of a clique. Remember when you were in middle school, you rode around. In this case, you were just the ultimate loner. You rode around with a, a few, like, five or six dudes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you were the homies. Like, the homies. Like, you were a crew. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, my crew, we were calling ourselves the NWO. We were always <laughs> going to be Hogan, Nash, one of us. Yep. Like, you got stuck out if you were Scott Norton, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, you was a part of the NWO. So, like, yeah, man, like you want to be a part of a group. Now, today's world, it's all about being a loner, right? Like you got to be the loner, the one-off, you know. I don't want to be a part of a crew so much. It's not as cool. But back then, man, being a part of a crew, yeah. especially a crew of that many guys, and they had big personalities, and they all kind of blended together. Yeah, that's what made them so appealing because they were the ropes. Remember, America was going through a change. Everything was cookie cutter. Like yeah. the way America is now, imagine telling us, the way America is now, the way we're able to watch things and hear things and see things. Imagine telling us that in 1996, 97. Imagine telling our parents who were young at the time, yeah. oh boy, your kid's going to be doing this when they're in their 30s. They would look at it like it's crazy, but it's progressive. So credit the NWO, man, not taking random, like, you know, hype theme songs. They took a theme song that nobody would have thought of and yeah. they incorporated, which made Diamond Dallas Page take a song. Which is pretty cool because Diamond Dallas Page never had the same song until you know that was the Nirvana run. So obviously that was a pretty cool thing. And yeah, man, I just think it was dope. And like I said, talking to former athletes about that, they said it was just cool to be a part of the clique because they were so cool. And like back then, you you embraced being a villain. Like you a Knicks fan, so think about this. Yeah, everybody loved Michael Jordan, right? Patrick Ewing was the villain. Like I hate to tell you this, Patrick Ewing was one of the nicest guys I ever met in my life. I thought Patrick Ewing was the villain. <laughs> I, thought, I thought John Starks was the ultimate like villain. Oh, yeah, guy. him for like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Charles Oakley, villain. Mm-hmm. Anthony Mason. Rest in peace to Anthony Mason. Villain. Yep. So, like, so we were transitioning over from being like, yeah, man, we like these good guys. So, like, you know, you know what, bro? We going to respect it. Because think about it. People hated the Miami Heat later. The Heatles. But, boy, you started liking the Miami Heat because then you start looking like, yeah, they winning. And you know what? The, 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 heat, the Heat was like the NWO. LeBron, Wade, Boss, but you. everywhere they went, they were the villain. But everywhere they went, it was sold out. You there wanted you, you wanted Miami Heat go. to be on ESPN, TNT. Everywhere you everywhere you went, I, I gotta go. I gotta go to LeBron game. I gotta watch LeBron tonight in the playoffs yeah. and the finals. They became the most high profile team at the time, and they were. Like you said, the the villains, the bad guys, they were like they were like the 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 Rolling Stones of basketball. There you go. And just think about this: when Goldberg beats Hogan, puts him in the jackhammer, does all this work to him. Yeah. That's like the Mavericks beating. That's like Dirt beating Miami Heat. There you go. So like so it's all tied together. Compare, like it's, it's crazy how we look at it now. Because think about this: the Golden State Warriors were loved. Steph Curry was loved. You know, Clay Thompson yeah. was loved before KD got there. When KD got there, that's like bringing Hulk Hogan along. All right, bro, here we go. Now we got a problem. We got we got Hulk Hogan now. So you begin to hate the Warriors because they were so good at what they did. They were winning. Because remember, the NWO is winning. They're winning a lot. They win in matches. It may be rigged in some kind of way, obviously, because yeah. Bischoff was out of control. And that was the reason why you hated Bischoff. But you were like, damn, bro. They, yep. They're winning. So and, eventually, you start and, gravitating and, to the winning. And they got, so, the, yeah. they got their own referee now. Nick Patrick, bro, <laughs> bro, bro, how crazy is that? Your own referee, dog. Own referee. 
Bro, not 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 no special guest referee. You have your own referee, and he had one job, which he blew eventually. But yeah. he had his own job, so yeah, yeah, bro. Like I think that people just gravitate to being a part of something. Like back then, you had to be a part of something. Like you were part of a clique. Now, bro, Randy J. Cruz ain't worried about being a part of no clique. He no. wants to be the one off. Randy right. wants to be the only guy that does what he does. Hendo wants to be the only guy that does what he does. Right. I don't want to be a part. Like, I'm a part of a radio show. It's great. But guess what? Each one of us got individual stuff. Right. And I think yeah. I think at that time, that's what gravitated to a guy like Rodman, who's Bro. in the NBA, in the NBA finals. Yeah. Right? And he's going to Nitro. To the, you know, with to hang out with the NWO after a finals game or skipping practice to go hang out with Bischoff and Hogan and be on be on be on Nitro. And then I think one time it was in Chicago, uh, maybe like a week later he he came to Nitro. They were, they were in uh, in Chicago, but still it's like you get a guy who who's crazy diverse with everything he was doing, uh, a bad boy, just a guy like you knew he was kind of crazy. But it kind of fit the mold mold of the NWO. It kind of fit the mold of, you know, society at that time. But now you get Rodman into the phone, not only just to be a member, but now you're getting him in the ring. And I'm like, oh, time out. Dennis Rodman, the Piston, the Bull, the world champion, is going to wrestle with Hogan and Luger and the Giant in the following year with, with, with uh, Malone and DDP. It was like, yo, come on, man. Not, not saying... They were doing too much, but now it's like, yo, now you now you taking this shit to a whole different level. But you gotta think about this, bro. The crazy part about that is this. So check this out. Nash and so obviously DDP and Malone were tag team partners versus Hogan and and Rodman, right? Yeah. Remember this. Just take this in concept. The NBA finals were in June that year. Yes. So remember Carl Malone and Rodman were scuffling the whole time. Mm-hmm. They were they were beating up each other. So we knew there was some sort of real beef. Yes. So just think about that. We knew there was beef already. So as a wrestling fan, me being naive at 13, 14, you know, not breaking kayfabe or anything, you knew that everything was just like, it was real stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So just imagine a month later, after the Bulls win the championship, Carl Malone come out of nowhere with Domino's face throwing up the diamond cutter sign and doing all this stuff, doing the diamond sign up, coming to the ring, and he's fighting his arch nemesis that we saw Basically, they wrestled on the basketball court for a whole series, and we're like, "Damn, they took it here!" So then you start thinking, like, "Man, this is really, this is really real." Like, <laughs> these yeah. dudes don't like each other, and lo and behold, they had to. Now that you go back as a fan, you're like, "Man, they had to actually work together to make this wrestling match ma- happen." And then you almost appreciate it. Like, look, I couldn't, and it was crazy. I was so in love with the NWO, I could not stand Carmelo. Could I stand Carmelo? I ate him already because <laughs> you know I thought Michael Jordan was the guy green earth of everything. So I wanted I wanted the Bulls to destroy the Jazz every time. So like you hated Carmelo more, which made me hate Diamond Down Stage. So I was like, man, hell no, Carmelo showing up? No way. Mm. And he tried to do an ugly diamond cutters. I'm like, oh my god. And I didn't care about the wrestling techniques. Like it was it was terrible wrestling. If you go back and watch it, Carmelo was a terrible yeah, wrestler. Yeah, of course. He's he like a big stiff. Like, you want to talk about a big stiff, it was terrible. At least Rodman had some kind of charismatic look that kind of looked like an NWO guy. Like, come mm-hmm. on, like, he just woke up and he put on purple leather pants to look like Diamond Dallas Page. Right. So I was like, and I'm like, nah. But, like, just think about that, bro. A month later, 
and bash at the beach. After a grueling seven NBA seven seven game NBA finals, here comes Carmelo fighting Dennis Robin a tag team match. That's right. So you gotta bro. It's crazy, man, like how WCW was game planning, bro. And they did it right. Yes. For a minute. Yeah. So yeah, man, like like yeah, bro, like I ain't never seen a like now that I think about it, bro, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bischoff should have been asking for the bag at that point. How they pulled that off. Yeah. I don't know how they were able to just to put all this stuff together and make it seem so real. So You're right, yeah, man. because you know, there were there were also you know when you really dive into it and you go down the, you go down that rabbit hole of, of information <clears throat> it's just you know now it's um, AOL's involved Taiwan is involved you got other people other higher ups involved that want to create Thunder to go along with Nitro and it's like alright now you want to go two two shows a week and you want to separate the roster it was just a lot but before I, I, I get into that that might be the final point but Mm-hmm. Um, I, to me, if, if you ask peak NWO, because now when you mentioned the Robin Malone DDP, that's the summer of '98. I think when yep. you get to the peak of NWO, the highest point, yeah, I think it, can, it could be '97, '98, and '98 definitely, yeah, '98, and I think it's um the night that Goldberg beat Hogan. At the yes. the Georgia Dome, so now that's not that's not a great moment for Hogan. But I'm saying to get forty thousand people in that in that dome on a Monday night on a Nitro for the World Title with like three days of uh, of promotion. Again, like I give due I give credit to 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 Bischoff for that. But there are some things that they could have done differently. That's a different story for a different day. But when you do this on Nitro, Hogan and Goldberg for the for the title. Mm-hmm. It's like man, like forty thousand people. I don't know what's going on on Raw. No, <laughs> I don't know what's going no, I didn't even care because I, I didn't even know, know who Goldberg was. And then now looking at it, Goldberg was a former football player, I believe, of the Atlanta Falcons, right? Yes, if I'm not mistaken. So that it has more significance to it because he's playing at his home arena doing this. So yeah, I didn't know who Goldberg was. I just knew he was just this intimidating looking figure. And it was kind of like a knock. You, if you were WWF fan, you probably thought it was a knockoff of Stone Cold, right? He didn't say much, but the dude was just out there spearing folks. I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this? This dude is, this dude is ridiculous. And, and as a video game player, I'm like, God dang, man, Goldberg is unreal. He has like three moves. Goldberg literally had three. Oh, I'm sorry. He had four moves. Jackhammer, spear, the little body, the, the body, the side body suplex, and the, and the punching combo. You know, you know That's what? All they did. But, but you know, but you know what? To be fair. That's what the people later on knew him about. But when he first got got there, he was doing some shit on the mat. Like, oh, okay, he was doing some 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 MMA type shit. Like, okay, more grappling. Yeah. But later on, it was more spear, jackhammer, a couple little other things, and that was it. But in the beginning, he was Goldberg was was, was on that mat. Yeah, and they made him into like this. Like he's unbeatable, which yeah. I thought was cool because remember. We thought the NWO was unbeatable because they were just this, this clique of guys and they, they knew they, they got their way. They tormented guys. But here's a guy that, you know, he's almost unbeatable. And then they also kept the idea that Goldberg was still fighting WCW guys. So you had the Sting Goldberg matches, right? You had Goldberg fighting Dominic Page. You know, Roddy Piper came back around this time too as well. So just think about all that, man. Like, it was crazy, bro. Like, all these personalities and how they did that. So wild time, man. Wild time. 
definitely wild time. Um, Goldberg defeats Hogan. Crowd is going crazy. New world champion, but it's all Nitro. It's not a pay per view that you could you could have got a lot of money for, but it is what it is. But um, and then Goldberg would have a long run as world champion. You mentioned earlier the whole Starcade '98 with Kevin Nash with the Taser with with Scott Hall and oh Kevin Nash is now the new world champion. Now Goldberg's Goldberg streak is you know done with. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I'm watching it. I'm like, damn, Goldberg lost, but okay. Now, where do you go with that is the question. Okay, Kevin Ash, world champion. Goldberg is no longer undefeated. Okay. And then you know, the, the Wolfpack is going on at this time, um, which is a different formation of the NWO. They start splitting up. And now the Wolfpack becomes more of a wrestling type of angle. It did not feel like as cool as the the OG NWO and a week later you mentioned earlier the finger poke of doom when Hogan and you thought Hogan and Nash were going at it they were beefing because Hogan was the black and white NWO and Nash was the Wolfpack NWO yeah you get a world title match and I know I know at this time on this day they aired they aired the Mankind Rock World Title Match, which was crazy, at the same time, and that's what Shivani said. You know that that'll put butts in this season. You like five half a million people changed from Nitro to Raw, um, but the finger poke happens. Down goes Hogan like he got shot. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Nash goes down. Hogan mm-hmm. pins him. New World Champion. They're all, they're all together, and it was like, all right, okay. I think that was the beginning of the downfall of, uh, uh, you yeah. know what? It might have been a little earlier, but yeah. that was the, the peak of the downfall for the NWO, black and white wolf pack. It was like, all right, now it just feels like a wrestling angle and the yeah. fun of it being cool and mainstream. It just out yeah. the window right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this. For me, that downfall, uh, you sit there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, perfect. Yeah, for me, I thought, obviously, several things played for that downfall. So I'm going to give you a good example. So obviously, unfortunately, drugs and alcohol started really taking over a couple of the main pieces. So, like, it's, it's a story in history between, you know, um, Scott Hall and his alcohol abuse. And then, obviously, Sting. Sting was going through alcohol trouble at that time, marriage problems and stuff. And I thought the issue was this. So... When they did the Wolfpack originally, it was sort of like, okay, hey, we're going to bring this. Not only we're going to bring a new different NWO, which I loved the Wolfpack in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When Sting first, I thought it was crazy because, remember, I'm already being transformed to like this thing that was the crow-looking Sting. He got his hair all long, and he was wearing his black and white mask. So I'm like, oh, man, this dude is cool. No, I didn't know at the time he was playing off the crow. Shout out to Scott Hall, by the way, which we need to give a lot of love to Scott Hall for making Sting into that Sting. He made a suggestion. Yes. Sting went along with it. And Scott Hall is a genius for that. But then all of a sudden I look up one night, Sting, I think it was Nitro, right, where he did the whole, like, he had the NWO shirt on and then the, the Hollywood NWO shirt on. And then he ripped it off and had the, the Wolfpack shirt on. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's a Wolfpack. Cool. So maybe he'll just help out every once in a while. Not only did he join the Woodpack, he comes up there with a red mask on. That looked wild. A red mask. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, cool. And then they start forming the NWO Woodpack, which had Conan. You know, you had 
Kevin Nash, Macho Man, Lex Luger, a WCW guy. I was in the NWO Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. The problem I had then was this. They started not really having so many beefs between the NWO Wolfpack and the, and the black and white. All of a sudden, here comes like Master P in them. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Remember that? They had Master P in there like the, the I hate, the hot, what was that? I hate rap. The West Texas Rednecks with like with Kurt Henning and like yeah. Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Like all those guys. They started doing all that. And then I'm like, okay, now we got a problem. Because now you took away the whole idea of the Wolfpack versus NWO, which I was cool with two NWOs. I thought it was cool. You kind of had the best of both worlds. Even though I felt like the Wolfpack was a little more powered because you did have Nash and Sting who were like the guys versus Hogan and maybe Scott Steiner. And, I mean, even though they had Mr. Perfect at the time, rest in peace to him. Um, it wasn't, to me, like the Wolfpack was just better. And I like that theme song. Master P, by the way, did the theme song, the Wolfpack yeah. song. So shout out to that. Um, the problem came here. And this is where I say the big issue was. Okay, so imagine this. You're, pl- you, you know, you're watching wrestling one night. You start seeing all these random acts show up, right? Mm-hmm. So, I love Stevie Ray. I love Stevie Ray. I love Stevie Ray. We know Stevie Ray, Booker T, Harlem Heat, yes. man, legendary. I think they should go in the Hall of Fame as a tag team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, great. Stevie Ray's in the NWO. What the hell? Okay. So, <laughs> I'm, like, all right. I'm, I'm like, all right, bro, whatever. Cool. All right, I'll get over that one. You know, fine, they got him. But then all of a sudden, I look up. The damn Disco Inferno is in the in the NWO. NWO. And I'm like, okay, now everybody's in there. And next thing you know, it's like 800 people in the NWO white. Exactly. Like, like there's no WC. Like, it's literally Diamond Dallas Page versus everybody at this point. <laughs> like, I looked up, bro. Like, I'm like, okay. Who the hell is in the NWO? Like one minute I start seeing Virgil, which Virgil was already there because he was kind of like the manager at the time. And, you know, you start seeing random guys. But then next thing you know, like I said, everybody's in the NWO. And then this what happens. So obviously the one thing that was great around this time for WCW was the Cruiserweight division, right? Mm-hmm. You had young Ray Mysterio. People don't realize this. Chris Benoit was a Cruiserweight, right? You had Dean Malenko. You had all these young cruiserweight guys or like smaller wrestlers come along, and then you had like the Sin, Ray Mysterio, the Juventud Guerreros, Eddie Guerrero. You had Ultimo Dragon. You had all these wrestlers that were great psychosis. Yeah. You know all of them. <clears throat> all of a sudden, I look up one day. Guess what happens? We got another NWO, but they're not called the NWO. They're the LWO. Yeah, the Latino World Order. And I'm much. like, okay, now we got a problem. Yeah, because now we got too many. It was cool to have one, maybe two, but then, like I said, they got greedy because they couldn't. To me, I got it. I understood. Look, the finger poker depth sort of means like, look, Hogan and Ash are going to make up their buddies again. Let's get the old crew back together. But then you got to explain Sting. What does Sting do at this point? Because Sting is totally all in on the Wolfpack. Him and Sting and Hogan never mm-hmm. liked each other for his wrestling terms, right? They were always these enemies of each other. You know, Sting was always the one coming from the top, beating people with bats and everything. And how do you explain that story now? Like, Sting's just going to be in the NWO Wolfpack with Conan and those guys, and Nash just goes back over. So, yeah, it got a little out of hand. And then you got to remember this. At this time, guess what started happening? Guys started leaving WCW. Yes. So, so Giant leaves and goes to the WWF and now he's the big show. Yeah. So now you're starting now you're starting to lose wrestlers. And now, like you said, 
all of a sudden, we don't care about all this this semantic stuff. We want to start seeing matches. So now we start getting Mankind versus The Rock, right? Now we start getting, you know, WWF to start throwing out some great matches. And WCW is starting to go to like, hey, man, we're going to have a match outside where we, we where Sting picks up a limo with a forklift and throws it over another car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you remember that, right? Like, no, you Sting might, on, because at the same time, like, I, think, yeah, like, I think the fact that while WCW was re- becoming too reliant on the older guys, yeah. you know, McMahon was getting... Jericho now, Eddie Guerrero goes in now, Perry Saturn, Benoit, Rey Mysterio, and they, they're building new stars of Kane, Kurt Angle, uh, The Rock was there, you know, Rikishi, Mankind, and then that, that roster was getting built, and like, wow, now I can, now I can have a whole pay-per-view of, of Edge, Christian, Hardy Boys, Dudley Boys, and like, okay, but on this side, I still got a whole game. I still got Flair. I still got DDP, Nash, Hall. And it's nice, but it's like, would I rather watch that than watch Kane, Kurt Angle, Taker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Jericho? It's just, at that time, they were building more stars, more current stars than WCW. Yeah, and WCW wasted years of Chris Jericho, wasted years of Chris Benoit. Like, think about this, Chris Benoit, I think he won the championship up and gave it up to like an hour later and just went straight to WWF. Like, it was like, yeah, I'm gone. It was cool. Mm. And like, you lost that edge. Because to me, while the NWO is going on, the greatest thing that WCW had was those young block of guys. Like, yeah. you had the, the Billy Kidmans, you know, you had to me, one of my favorite wrestlers is Juventu Guerrero. I loved Juventu. Like, his matches, they used to call him Juice. They used to love, I used to love how fast-paced his matches were. Psychosis, right. rest in peace, La Parker, you know. They had all those guys, man. Like, it was just so many guys. And look, the biggest the biggest criminal thing I think WCW ever did was not give Booker T his, his moment. They waited too late to give Booker T his moment. True, true. Like, they waited. And, like, Booker T was an up-and-coming guy. He was an athlete. Could you imagine the ill turn of, like, Booker T? Like, imagine King Booker in WCW doing that time. Bro, when when they gave him the belt, it was over. It was yeah, it was, it was over. Like was Nitro, over. the WCW didn't change their logo. And we Sting then went back to black and white Sting, and yeah. Ric Flair is just hanging on, and everybody else is moving on to different promos. So, like, yeah, man, I just think that like the NWO, you know, like Randy, you know this too well, man. Like sometimes it's good just to have a run of something, but not overdo it. Because they realized, like, the problem was this. It wasn't so much them writing the script. It was the wrestlers. I talked to several wrestlers, right? They told me, like, dudes were in the back pleading to be on the NWO. So then it was, like, a big deal where you had to be on the NWO to be successful. Like, bro, I'm sorry. Disco Inferno, I'm not going to knock Disco Inferno. (laughs) Why the hell is Disco Inferno on the NWO? Disco Inferno. Dude, I'm talking about the same dude that used to come out there dancing with Alex Wright. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, come on, bro. Like, the whole edge of the NWO was like, you can select few misfits that you put in the crew. Like, I can't imagine a crew where you got Disco Inferno and Scott Steiner. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on, bro. Like, it doesn't even add up right. Like, bro, you had you, to have your misfits. You, so. you, you, you even forgot NWO 2000 with Brett and, um... Oh, my God. Jared. And, like, Brett, like, first of all, I'm like this, real quick. Bret Hart... When you get to WCW, you're the hottest. Yes. You're the hottest thing going on because of the Montreal screw job. Yes, and they don't even use you until Starcade as a fucking referee. 
Yes. And listen, I want to make this point. Star K97, Crow's thing. I'm not going to mention on this show because that's, that's a different show for a that's different day. But <sighs> that right there is like that kind of tells you that WCW got in their own way yeah. of focusing on the ratings, focusing on beating, beating McMahon. But when you get Bret Hart in your company off the Montreal screw job along Rick Rude, Rick Rude like right behind him. And yeah, he, he come on with a suit on. Yeah. Rick, Rick Rude was on Raw and Nitro on the same fucking day. I know Raw was tape. But you get Bret Hart there, long story short, you don't use him. He's a referee and you botch Starcade 97 and then you don't know what to do with him. He's a US, US champion, world champion. He's an NWO. And I'm like, what What are we doing here? Bret Hart was not supposed to be in the NWO. At he, all. He, no, I know, uh, he, I, know, I, know, I know he was a bad guy when he left, but he's not an NWO guy. And by the time you know it, like you, like you mentioned, you had 200 people in the NWO. Scott Norton, Bret Hart, Disco Inferno, Conan, Mid Carters. And, and I get the point that these guys felt like if I'm, if I'm NWO, I get more money. I get TV yep. time. I get I get that point because it, it became real serious. But it's like they let a, like you mentioned they let a lot of young talent go. They did they underutilized Jericho's of the world, and it's like and now you be, they become big mega stars. Bro, with McMahon. Jericho, Jericho just became something crazy, bro. Like yes. I never that intro to me is the greatest intro I've ever seen. When Jericho got to uh, to Raw. Bro, he's, he's turned around backwards, looking the other uh, way. Okay. Hands stuck out. Bro, come on, man. Like, the music, the countdown. Yeah. Jesus. He, bro, Rock was the greatest, like, like cut promo guy in the ring, right, at the time. Rock could talk on the mic. He interrupted Rock, bro. Yeah, he did. He did. And he played it well. So, come on, man. But, like you said, man, I, I just think that, like, it was just too much, bro. And, like, we started changing too. Remember, the fans changed with, along with the game. Yep. We we become young adults then. We're not teenagers no more. So we're back to like, hey man, I want to go see Rock and Stone Cold. Like I'm looking over there. DX is coming along. All right. So then Triple H, like WWF did one thing WCW didn't do. They groomed their guys. Like Triple H became the game. You know what I mean? Like yep. he was the he was the man. Whereas like. WCW just told Chris Benoit, man, we're going to let you fight mid-card matches, but we don't want you out here. Probably one of the, look, I know people have their thing about Chris Benoit, but Chris Benoit is probably one of the greatest technical wrestlers ever, man. Mm-hmm. But for his wrestling, you can't deny him that. I know we all feel a way about him now, but, you know, dude was an amazing wrestler. And like you said about Bret Hart, they didn't find a way to put Bret Hart in. Guess what? The one time they make Bret Hart wrestle, Goldberg damn near kills him. Yeah. So, Crazy. yeah, he, he gets a concussion. He damn near kills the man. So, yeah, man, like, blew it. Like, to me, I would have loved to see a Sting versus Bret Hart, like, duel. Like, they both got the same move. Yeah. They got, you know, you know kind of like the everybody loves Sting, everybody hates Bret Hart. And, like, I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. Bret Hart is probably, I would say for me, not naming Sting, he's probably one of my three favorite wrestlers ever as well. And Bret Hart just, you know, the X's of execution, man. Like, you know, you know, you already know. But like, why would you put him in NWO? I don't want to see him in black and white. Yeah. I want to see I want to see him with the pink on, you know what I mean? With, with the shades. You know what I'm saying? 
the music. I ain't, the worst feeling ever is watching Bret Hart come out to the NWO music. That was crazy, bro. Yeah, I'm like, what? What's going? <laughs> don't, just don't, just don't like, bro, like imagine that, bro. Like that's the worst thing ever, bro. Like and Jeff Jarrett too. Oh my God! Don't even get me started. Jeff Jarrett goes me. <laughs> he goes from being the West Texas redneck to to rocking guitars to wearing NWO stuff. How does that even work? Come I on, think man. I think the only members before we uh, we wrap it up, the only members that really fit the NWO was obviously Hogan Hall, Nash, Macho, Bischoff. Yeah. I say Giant. Giant did. Giant did a good job. The, 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 the Giant, as far as being like, like the big guy, the, big guy, the muscle, the, 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 the yeah. you know, intimidator. Okay. DiBiase, um, a little bit. I don't think yeah. they needed uh, X-Pac six I don't think they needed him. Uh, yeah, at the time I would say maybe, but yeah, they to me Scott Steiner was perfect for the NWO. Scott I don't Steiner. know how they put it out. Scott Steiner is a crazy, you know, he's an idiot. So yeah, it was perfect because if you hated the NWO, or you really had to hate Scott Steiner at that um, point. Kurt Kurt Henning fit Amazing. perfect was always a bad guy. Always a bad guy. Um I get the I get the fake sting. I get that part. He he, he don't really count. Um other than that, I mean, Scott Norton, Disciple. I mean, yeah, you had nah, nah. No. yeah, Conan. Conan was an original NWO guy. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really care about Conan. And now that you hear the stories about Conan, how uh, much of an ego trip he was, it's crazy that you think that. But Rick know. Rule, like Rick Rule was Rick Rule was more like DiBiase part two. He he was more like a, like a, like a talking guy. I don't think yeah. once you get DiBiase, you don't need Rick Rule. But again, um, I think those was the only guys. That really fit the norm of the NWO. The last question I got for you, I know we mentioned peak NWO was 90, 98, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, last point I say, you know, we we've gone through the ups and downs, the greatness, the downfall, but um in your opinion, for when you saw it live as a kid and now as a grown man and you retrospect about it. What do you think is the overall legacy of the NWO? And as far as a faction and a stable, where does it rank to you all time? Oh, man, stable, man. Like, I just think that for a faction, uh, man, I see that's tough because all time now, because I'm able to, like, go back and watch history of wrestling on mm-hmm. YouTube and all things that we have now. You know, you got the Four Horsemen. You got different things that happen. Um yeah, during the time DX got stronger, obviously. Yeah. Um, during that time, for me, I still, I still think NWO is number one, bro, because I think that you were able to pull out something that you couldn't, that you thought was impossible. Not only did you pull off having a faction of that kind of nature, the, the grimy, you know, subway kind of type deal, you made probably the greatest like nice guy in wrestling be the be the jackass of wrestling if that makes sense you know what i mean yeah although although now hulk hogan is not regarded very greatly as a human because of things that have happened but yeah i mean at that time if you would have told impressionable you know see hendo at 12 years old hey man this dude that you love that was out there flexing doing his little flex every time he's about to turn into this guy that plays the guitar with his belt you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, so yeah, for me, I think in history, as a grown man, I think it's amazing. Because it also is a sort of a teaching to all of us in a way. Like, you can ruin something very good. And we see it all the time in sports. Think about it. Sports gets great 
Teams become great, and what do teams do? They get greedy, they get stupid, yep. make bad decisions, add on the wrong person, and then the franchise is gone. Think about it. Look at the look. You know what? As a Maverick fan, and I hate to say this, but like the Mavericks won a championship, right? And I'm not going to say that they could have won the next following year, but instead of them bringing back the right thing again, what did they do? They dismantled it, added the other pieces, and they ruined it. Guys went on to do other great things. Tyson Chandler went to your Knicks and did good things. And, you know, it's, it's like a life lesson. NWO was on top of the world. They did everything right to get there, and then they just cashed out. And then they didn't know how to keep it going. And while we stepped there and said, you know, they had the greatest run, WWF was watching it. And WWF did everything in their power to not do it. Like yeah. when they did DX, they did DX perfectly. As much as I think Road Dog is not, a, I'm not big on Road Dog. As a kid, I was, a, I thought Road Dog was amazing. The whole rap and everything, and the, the oh, you didn't know him and you know badass Billy Gunn. Yeah. You know they had Phil Michaels, they had China. You had to enforce a female mm. in China. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the ninth one of the world. You know they did it right and they stuck with it. They didn't go out there and add Stone Cold to the DX. You know what I mean? They didn't go out there. They didn't go out. So just think about that. They, they had Mike Tyson, though. They had Mike Tyson, though. That was big. But, but, but you know what, though? Even with the Mike Tyson thing, I thought it was cool because Mike Tyson at that time was the ultimate badass. Biting Holyfield's ear. Yep. Getting banned. Right. DX was doing what? Getting banned from everything. Riding tanks in the arena and stuff. They were doing all this. Riding tanks on the street. Remember, they crashed the WCW set. Remember that? They crashed yeah. that set. They, you know, so you get the, you know, you get Tyson for one a couple of things, and that was it. Him and him and him and you know Stone Cold in the ring throwing blows at each other. You thought Stone Cold was the big badass, right? And then you get Mike Tyson. They had to go get Mike Tyson. So I thought that was cool, but they didn't go out there and go say, "Hey, you know what? Let's go get Chris Jericho, bro. We need to add Chris Jericho to DX." Oh no, let's do this. You know what? Since Undertaker's thing sort of have sort of the same parallel of that dark gothic thing. Mm -hmm. Let's go get Undertaker to join DX. Could you imagine that? How that would have been bad for wrestling? If yeah. Undertaker would have joined DX. Like, come on, man. So WWL watched WCW fall, and Vince McMahon did a great job. To me, Vince McMahon kind of followed the Bischoff role. Like, look, become this antagonist. This guy that nobody could say. No, see, Vince McMahon was involved then, but Vince McMahon became this. You had to hate Vince McMahon. He started wrestling like Bischoff all of a sudden, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's wrestling. I never forget the greatest scene ever was like him and Stone Cold. Stone Cold beat him with the piss pan or the throw pan in the whole, in the in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like he beat the yep. shit, you know. Yeah. Like think about like think about it. Vince McMahon made it to where he was a hate a hateable figure. Not only did you hate him. He started hating old Shane. Shout out to Shane, man. He started hating Shane. Then he started hating <laughs> Seth. You hated the family. The only one everybody kind of liked was Linda. You know what I mean? Because True. you were like, oh, Linda don't really do True. much. But, you know, you hated Shane. You hated Steph. So, WWF took WCW's blueprint, and they ran with it. And they did it right. <clears throat> they developed people behind the people. They didn't say, you know what? We're going to let everybody join DX. Or we're going to let everybody join the nation. Or we're going to let everybody... I joined, you know, you know, was it too cool? What was the group called with Rikishi and them? Rikishi, Scott, Grandmaster Sexy, and um, Scotty Too Hotty. Like, yeah. They didn't say, hey, we're going to let them come along. They actually embraced the idea of bringing the Dully Boys in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They actually embraced mankind, you know, making mankind this low. Bro, what they did with mankind was amazing. Remember, mankind was going from Cactus Jack to mankind to do love all in one. Crazy. 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 How they, look at the range of that. 
Look at the range of that. So, like, WWF, man, like, it's a lesson, bro. And I appreciate the NWO as a wrestling fan. Like, I appreciate what they did because it really put another company in on their toes. Think about it. Complacency is the worst thing when it comes to sports and entertainment, right? Like, you got to spice it up every once in a while. WCW put WWF on high alert. Like, look, bro, it just ain't you no more. You know, yeah. and maybe we get that with this new generation with the AEW. You know, Cody Rhodes and those guys are trying to put together some young talent. They're taking a blueprint from what WWF failed to do. So they're getting guys over there that you probably wouldn't thought would have been great. Like, you know, they got Dean Ambrose now. You know, they got, you know, they got some great wrestlers over at AEW. I think it's dope. And they're giving guys opportunity. And like WWF did that in the, in the 2000s. And that's why WCW failed because they wanted to stick to one thing. Like, you could have had the NWO forever. But at the same time, I would have been like this. Yeah, I'm not going to let Disco Inferno come in the NWO. And then also during this whole time, the NWO did the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Remember when they unmasked Rey Mysterio? Yeah. Like, yeah. Think about this. The one thing that we never wanted to see was like a luchador and loses match. First, Hoover 2 lost his, right? So mm-hmm. we lost him. But then all of a suding the one guy that everybody loved was Rey Mysterio. <clears throat> the undoing of that was because of Kevin Nash. Remember, the number one thing that you don't want to do is this in wrestling, I guess. You never want one of your best headlines booking the matches. Kevin Nash is the worst when it came to doing that. Everything became Kevin Nash's favor. Like, it got stupid, bro. Like, you know, like I said. Yeah. And I remember the other day I cut on YouTube, man. Me and you were game planning this. I went back and started watching a lot of stuff. The crazy stuff I started seeing as a doe, I was like, this is trash. Like when, when, Scott <laughs> Hall, when Scott Hall was drunk at the bar and the NWO went to go beat him up, yeah. that was trash. That was trash. Bro, seeing Sting, this mythical figure who stood up in the, the, the top of the building and looked down and didn't say a word for a whole year, all of a sudden he's on the mic. He's at, like the rock. And he's throwing, he's getting on forklifts and, and, Taking NWO Hummers and limos and throwing them across the thing with a forklift—that's yeah. not Sting. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was, it bad. was bad. So like, yeah, man, I, I I appreciate the NWO for what they did. It just sucks because it's hard to explain to a generation now how great WCW was. Because think about it: if you would tell a kid now the roster that they had in 1997, 1998 during the Golden Day. Chris Jericho being a super undercard. Chris Benoit, super undercard. Dean Malenko, undercard. Raven, undercard guys. Mm. And then you had superstars. How the hell do you lose that? It's like you were the NBA in the 90s. You had the Grand Hills and Penny Hardaways. Of the, they were Chris Benoit and Jericho. But you still had Jordan, who was... Hulk, you know, Hollywood Hogan. You still had, you know, Carl Malone's of the world. You still had the great players, the Shaqs. You you did a bad job of pushing the, the next generation. Because they could have did a thing where Benoit, Guerrero, Jericho, they were all good friends, right? They were kind of like that force one or that Fisome that had Saturn. They could have did a thing with the NWO where these young bucks are coming along. Yeah. And you could have you you been like, hey, the new boys are in town. And, you, and then guess what? Maybe people start liking the NWO because, man, man you kind of knocking the old dudes out, but we like them old dudes, but these new dudes can fight. They can wrestle. And I just hate it because, like I said, and you said it great, like, they ruined something that was great because you get greedy. And the bad part about wrestling is this. People get greedy. Sometimes you run out of you run out of ideas, but the WWF never once thought of the idea, I'm going to put The Rock in his zenith. 
and, and DX. Imagine that. You see, you just think about these things. Like, it was wild when they did the rock and sock connection. Like, after they had the brutal matches, all of a sudden they're the rock and sock. Like, we thought that was crazy, but there was still some sort of like, uh, it's weird, but you know what? Yeah, it seems like it's pretty cool because they may not like each other or Mankind's kind of loony, so he likes the Rock, but the Rock don't care about Mankind. So, yeah, we're like, okay, whatever, but it worked. But they did a poor job just like, it, it was too much, bro. Like, yeah. Brady, you know, Brady, you know better. Like, like if the, that'd be like the NBA saying, you know what, we're going to have a four-point line and we're going to have a five-point line. <laughs> no, what, what, I, I get what am it. I watching? What am I watching anymore? Because... Like, what am I watching? Like, what are we doing here? Like, are we going to just let everybody join along and have fun? Like, yeah, bro. I think for me, like I said, the worst thing I've ever seen, and it pops up in my head every time I watch wrestling, is seeing Disco Inferno come down off his own thing tone <laughs> in an NWO shirt. Man, like, you have it out for Disco. But I, I listen, man, I agree with what you're saying. I think the bottom line is the fact that, you know, they were heavily relying on ratings. They weren't focused on building the bottom line, building the company, you know, building a story for the next pay-per-view. Everything was about Monday, Monday ratings, Raw, Nitro, and they ran NWO to the ground. NWO is an all-time favorite faction of mine, stable, top three. It, de- yeah. it really depends of how you look at it because as quick as they peaked, they had a quick downfall. So when you look at the four horsemen, that that was that was around for quite a while. DX was around for a while. Even the Heart Foundation. It's like it really depends on who you ask of like, you know, what it meant to the culture of the sport, um, the impact it had, you know, what they did in the ring, were they good wrestlers? It just depends on who you really ask. But NWO is 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 with you know for sure a top three faction stable of all time. So, and I think that the legacy of it is that if there's no NWO, there's no growth for WCW. There's no changing of the guard in the WWF where they got to say, you know what? Scrap all of this, this new generation era shit. We got to go with attitude era. We got to make people more real life characters, more like themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't change without that but they kept it going longer than the NWO so I know they had a couple they came in they, they came back to the company and and all this other stuff but that's not that's not the original the original OG NWO laid the blueprint laid the groundwork of what wrestling is supposed to be it's fun it's entertaining it's real it's the uh suspension of disbelief to make you feel like oh you know what that might be real I don't know about that but that thing right there that NWO thing that seems borderline real so I can't really tell it it made you watch every Monday night to the point where you had 8 million people watching uh, wrestling in general on a Monday night you can't even get you can't even get 1.5 million to watch it now Mm -hmm. um Nowadays, to get eight million people and the cast of characters, all Hall of Famers, it's like you're not gonna get that ever again. Uh, different time, different era, different society, social media. Like, like, listen, really, last point. Just imagine NWO forming in the social media era. Oh my just, god! Just imagine that. Just imagine that, and like, it'll break Twitter. Holy shit, Hogan Hall, that, da, 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 da. like. That is a moment that would never be 
that that moment would never happen again. And it's sad because me and you want to see it. The only thing I could think of is John Cena going heel. But even now, it's like, all right, John Cena's heel now. It it, it won't have the same impact that that uh, NWO moment had. So, And for us to be talking about this for over an hour and a half, uh, 24 years later, still kind of shows you that it's still very impactful. Um, you see the Bullet Club and the AJ and the Finn Balor's doing the you know two sweet signs. So it, 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 yeah. it, it definitely made an impact on younger stars. Yeah, man. And just one last thing for me, mm. I think that like the idea that you were able to tell someone that you can change how wrestlers look or how they acted. Because like without the NWO, we probably don't get the biker version of Undertaker. We probably still get the ministry Undertaker forever. So we got the biker side of Undertaker, which was like a totally different Undertaker, right? Yeah. And like it was pretty dope. Like you get that biker Undertaker. You get the biker version of Hollywood. And you get Sting the term from being surfer Sting that everybody was like happy about. It's like this dark, man, I want to kind of be the loner kind of looking dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they took those leaps and those things like with the NWO making Hogan do what he did, it made wrestling guys look like, well, I can make this guy a bad guy. Well, let's try to see if we can make Stone Cold into this. Let's make Triple H the game. Even though Triple H sort of had the, the charisma being like a sort of a, a, a bad guy or whatever, but you made him into the game. You know, you made everybody into their character. Like, you were able to say, you know what? He ain't got to be Hulk Hogan forever. He can be Hollywood Hogan. Undertaker ain't got to be the minister, even though everybody knows him for the ministry type Undertaker. But, you know, he could be the the biker Undertaker for a little bit, and we may like that a little bit, you know? Just a fresh look. And, like, it's dope. Like, you can change the rock from being the nation rock to, like, oh, man, like, Versace shirt wearing loudmouth rock. You know what I mean? Corporation rock. You can change Papa Shango into the Godfather. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. you can change these wrestlers, and I think that the NWO made it possible because back then it wasn't like you was changing guys. Like even Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels changed. Like Shawn Michaels went from being like the you know, even though he kind of kept the whole heartbreak kid kind of thing, he changed to this raunchy kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you Not don't, like the you pretty don't, boy. Like you don't like, get look, DX without NWO. You don't get DX yeah. without without NWO. Yeah, yeah, like, we don't get darker, more realistic characters. Like, exactly. not everybody can be Hulk Hogan, right? Right. Not everybody in real life is Hulk Hogan. Like, there's a whole bunch of, there's more Hollywood Hogans. There's more great American, whatever you want to call them, Undertakers, the biker type guys. And the one last thing about NWO that we don't take in perspective, mm-hmm. from a minority standpoint, there weren't many minorities in the NWO. I mean, you had Conan, but you didn't have a lot of Hispanic and black guys. So I thought that was unique that you could, not only could you touch my demographic with a whole bunch of like you know white guys that were cool and hip you see what I mean like not Hispanic guys were around you know what I mean like you had a whole bunch of white guys that were like hip and that was crazy like think about that there was no race involved in that like they literally became this like cool like group and that was in obviously being a kid growing up in in the in the south you know in the in the urban parts like you know in the hood like that was like crazy like there weren't no black guys. I mean, like Virgil was like the the black guy in the NWO. He was nothing to us, right? Right. Like, we didn't think Virgil was like Hogan, but Hogan became like this cool figure because you know we related to him. That rogue outlaw. You know, I have a lot of Hispanic friends that tell me that. Like I thought that was dope, man. They had Hogan, and then of course later on they made Conan more of a a figure in the NWO. That he started talking more. It was dope. Like he had his personality, and they didn't let him lose it. So. 
Yeah, man. I just think that like without the NWO, man, we don't get realism. I think it got real. And it got maybe too real at the end because then the shady stuff started happening. But we really learned how to like more guys for like who they really are. Like they didn't have to be the the steroid muscle bound rib guys. Like even though Scott Steiner was a steroid, you know, like a big muscly guy. But mm-hmm. Scott, people today I know who hated stuff. I got friends who hate Scott Steiner back then as kids. But now going back as an adult, Scott Steiner is like the ultimate TVMA guy. You know what I mean? Like he's the mature audience guy. Right. We would think about this, Randy. If Scott Steiner came in today as a wrestler, we would love him as adults. The big booty daddy. Like who says that? Come on, man. Like we <laughs> thought that was Steiner. wild when we was kids. So yeah. yeah, man, we got we had we got Scott Steiner from being this all American football player wrestler to being a dude that was like a a weird crazy dude. Just think about that. Yeah. The great Scott Steiner, the Steiner Bros, man. Shout out to Rick Steiner, man. Shout out to those dudes, man. Like, they changed. All of them had to change, bro. Like, we had to. It was just with the times. And, I mean, like I said, Ted Turner, you know, Eric Bischoff, you know, all those guys did a great thing. But then also, we didn't talk about it, but one guy that is hated in wrestling that sort of cost a lot of things was Vince Russo. So, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to have a Vince Russo day. So, Listen, yeah, man. man like, like, yeah, man. Like, I it's say dope, this. bro. I say this, either, you know, I, I'm more of a Russo fan than most people out there. I just wow. Yeah, I like Russo, man. I think I think I think he gets a bad rap for for uh for 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 quite a few things. I think people don't know the story behind certain things. They 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 just go go about what other people say and if that person says it then it's like gospel then you know it's like nah I, I think he's a, he's a cool guy listen man he's one guy that I can say that pushed the envelope that tried different things whether it worked or not he, he, he was more risky than anything during that whole attitude era and I know about WCW and TNA but he's the one guy that in the peak of the Monday Night War he was behind people watching Monday Night Raw for you know eight million people watching Raw. He was he was the man behind that. But you could say McMahon was the filter. But who's who was writing the show? It was him and Ed yeah. Ferrara. So you can't even get one million people to watch now. But you, you, you're going to crap on Russo for his ideas and that attitude every time when you got 8 million people watching Raw by itself watching a, a fucking Rock and Mankind Rock Appreciation Day segment the highest rated segment ever in Monday Night Raw 8 million people and you want to you want to shit on him but again different show for a different day but uh, Chris my man I do want to thank you Chris Henderson you can find him on Twitter at C Hendo uh, S double E uh, underscore H E N D O he covers the Mavericks uh, for the NBA on chendo.com and most sports talk on Twitter. Um, this was a pleasure. I thank you for coming on the the wrestling basement, my new uh, retro throwback wrestling podcast. This is the NWO episode. A lot of stuff we, we mentioned. And I thank you again, my man. Oh, man, I appreciate you, man. Like I, I tell people right now, if you guys are listening, if you're even first time listeners or whatever, man, subscribe to Randy, man. Like I tell people all the time, I told him this when I actually had a chance to actually talk to him for the first time mm-hmm. in actual voice. I told Randy, I was like, man, I've never seen a guy that can dig up so much history 
that I can't find that I try to find and he knows where it's at and I just think that it's dope that you are able to not only incorporate today's generation but you're teaching like you're like our encyclopedia for sports and entertainment and I don't know if you realize that now but there's going to be some kid 20 years from now when me and you are old men probably talk about what the hell happened in the finals like two years ago <laughs> there's going to be some kid that's going to look at look at something on, on the internet and see that you made this podcast mm-hmm. or you made this whole series and you're part of history so I appreciate you man for like letting me live my childhood because it's hard man like it's hard because then you don't want to be the old guy that says well back in the day man yeah, this is what right. we had I, right. I, I, t- I tell you that all the time I don't want to be that but man I, I appreciate you having me on man because for me being a sports guy, I always get stuck, you know, talking basketball or, or baseball. I try to have fun and talk video games and sneakers mm. because I love those things, but I never really got the opportunity to talk wrestling. And man, like I, I just, I love that generation of wrestling. Like I appreciate what's going on right now. Cause like my favorite wrestler now, I love guys like AJ Styles. I love the new day. Um, had a chance to talk to one of the new day, new day guys. So nice. definitely shout, shout out to Big E. Um, yep. Great dude Great dude by the way um, AJ Styles Amazing guy He's a gamer as well So We're learning personalities Of these guys But yeah man I appreciate you dog Like What you're doing From the basketball world Is very undervalued Right now Like we don't have Anybody doing that I think we need to get More people on that On that bandwagon And listen to you man But wrestling I just I, I can't believe that uh, today I was able to talk about the NWO express my anger. So yeah, man, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I got a little, yeah. I got a little, I got a little hot here. Start sweating, getting upset. Cause yeah, man. Once again, you, you got I don't it. hate Disco Inferno as a person, but boy, That's that boy. one really lights me up every time I see it. So I appreciate you, dog. Like, keep doing your thing, though. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. At the moment. It'll be on the Cruise Control Podcast Network, soundcloud.com slash cruise control. It might be on its own feed. I have no idea, but go ahead, download, rate, comment, subscribe, all that. Support the program. Chris, my man, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, dog. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, now. All right.